0: Uh, Frodo and uh, tell him he needs to get over here.
1: Ah. I think Frodo's doing his own streaming now. He actually was playing uh, yeah. Run Dino Run and uh, Boulder Dash
2: clones I on the, I mean, the Draken and Coco earlier. I don't don't okay. let um, don't let Paul Fiscarelli hear me say this, but why would you guys pick that crappy game in the first place? It <laughs> was Ron
3: Delbo's part <laughs> problem, or uh, suggestion.
1: Uh, that's right, buddy. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, Ron's that experienced gamer, so we always go for him for guidance. That's right.
4: That's I take right. it, it Steve got a low score or something. Nah, I, comment I, I, like
2: that. Not <laughs> blame where <or> blames <laughs> do. Just, just trying to fan the flame since Polly's here in the panel
5: here. So, <laughs> Hey,
6: Ron, did the dino bite you too much?
7: Uh, no.
5: <laughs> <laughs> did find the perfect balance between self-centering and uh, free-floating joysticks. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, which reminds me, well, Rick, I, I need to reach out to you to order some of those. Don't let me forget, because I've forgotten for like oh, three certainly. weeks now. Anyway, remind me to not, is up. Remind me to remember to not forget to ask you about that thing that we talked about <laughs> that I forgot already. Just remind me to do that. <laughs> okay, don't forget. Jeez, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't forget what words you were saying. <laughs> what was he talking about? And it's, it's, right. I don't know. It's,
6: it sucks getting
2: old. Yeah, and it's kind of weird, because it's like we, we, we did a game... You guys, well, when I say we, you guys, you guys picked a game that was um, designed by Paul Fiscarelli and Simon Jonasson, and you actually have them on the show this week. It's almost like you intended to have them here to talk about the game that we played this week. Was that intentional or was just merely coincidental? Merely coincidental. <laughs> merely coincidental. It's just, well, these, are the, <laughs> these are the happiest little accidents I've ever seen in my life. And uh, Tom and Eric, it's Gunderson called pre Steve Retro Innovations is out there. He says, Go, go, Fest! And um, yeah, yeah, we're going go. to do a show today. We're definitely going to do a show today. It's not one o'clock yet. So, Stevie,
6: are, are, are you doing those happy little trees since you had the
2: happy little accidents? Yes. that reminded me of someone
6: doing the happy little trees oh, mm, yes. oh,
2: with yes. the paintbrush. <laughs> well, and Sloopy's holding up his diet, Dr. Pepper. Ooh.
7: Ooh.
6: I'm no, starting no, early. I'm having my diet uh, Dr. Pepper with rum.
3: <laughs>
2: Terry Steggy Captain Morgan. That
6: Terry explains Steggy. the feeling good part.
2: Terry Steggy <laughs> says, hello, everyone, and bless your heart, Stevie. Why, thank you, uh, Terry. And I just have one thing to say to you, too. Bless your heart. Bless your heart right back at you there, Terry. Uh, cool. All right. Well, I think it's one o'clock. Is it one o'clock? It's one o'clock. It's time to rock. It's time for Coco Talk, so let's cue the intro, boys and girls.
8: No, 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 no! Ah!
2: At Coco Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Murphy, Alan Huffman, Blair Ledoux, Bowton Aaron, Brendan Donaghy, this guy's voice Brian like oh, Karen Anscombe, D. Dry. Bruce Moore, Daniel Williams, D'Angelo, Eric on this Canales, is this? Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, yeah. Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Ken Reichert, Kyle Eder, Malfunk Michael Ooh, Vincent, Paul yeah, Strally, Paul Laker, like Paul Thayer, <laughs> Rick Hewlett, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C, Tom Heron, Tom S., and Jim Tony C. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own, and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Oh, that was it. Hi, this is Dale. Oh, Eager, there, there goes. My, Wow, that RCCC was weird. That was a, uh, And you're listening to Cocoa Talk. A time delay. And by, yeah, my microphone's hot, which means I'm talking over all this crap right now, too. So, What a way to run a professional show here, huh? Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Scott Cooper says, I've had my second Moderna shot yesterday, feeling like sore and feverish. Yes. But I'm not Cocoa going to miss Coco Talk. Coco Talk leading live An episode of Coco Talk. is a like your computer. Computer. It's
9: time to drop <laughs> your socks, <laughs> so grab your real time locks, uncomfortable.
0: and let's rock. Yeah.
8: Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world.
2: Keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but, but we'll, we'll never stop. Because Coco Talk, Talk is rocking rockin the 8 bit world. world. Yeah.
10: All right, good afternoon everybody. It's me. It's announcer Rick. I'm coming at you live from Skycopter 12 and this is another episode of Cocoa Talk where we've got David Ladd. Who could ask for more? Coming at ya. Talk is rocking the
5: It's David Ladd and he's excited to be here. Talk is rocking the All
2: right, we're here. Welcome everybody to another exciting episode of Coker Talk. Much like the second Moderna shot, it makes you achy and fevery and all kinds of unpleasant symptoms for at least four hours. If the uncomfort lasts more than four hours, please consult a physician. We've got a great panel for you. We've got in the top left-hand corner with his topless calor computer, Sloopy Malibu is here. We've got just back from Florida from my part of town, our Apple guy, Mark Overholzer, is here. Hey Marco. Glad to be here. Rondelvo, ha, ha, ha. Rondelvo, Hello. big fan of the song parodies. Our gaming guru, Rondelvo. Hi. Rick Eulen is here. Hey, Rick. Howdy, folks. The guy who does my job for me more often than I do at this point, Mark Bowes, <laughs> is here. Hey, Mark. Mark B, the newest host of the Game On Challenge, Ken Waters, A.K.A. Canadian Retro Things, is here. Hey, Ken. Hello, everybody from O Canada it's L. Curtis Boyle hello Curtis hello hello and welcome to guest host Stevie Stroh yeah welcome thank you for having me <laughs> Simon Jonasson the madman is here how are you doing there Simon good thanks lovely to see you our uh, another Apple guy John Lowry's here he's an Apple guy because he works for Apple Beckham and anyone yes how are you doing there John Lowry
4: I'm doing good how are you guys doing
2: we do we do have a contender for the for the role of timberman cuz Paul Fiscarelli is looking pretty uh, rustic there. All you need is like a, a flannel shirt there, Paul, and maybe a a, a chopping axe. How you doing there, Polly? Good. How you guys doing? All right. All right. Dino Run development headquarters. I see all kinds of spinning gears and blinky lights back there. Is that the epicenter where the Dino Run technology is being hosted <laughs> and and provisioned?
11: That that's correct. This is uh, the cloud compute central here, uh, where all the Dino uh, AI is sourced from. Oh, that is amazing. That's that that's got more power than a Whopper at
2: this point, I believe, right? So that's uh, what are we? What's our DEFCON? Right by the way. <laughs> DEFCON four currently. DEFCON four. Right, but just remember, yeah. if I need to pee on a spark plug, I'm here for you. All right, and then we've got Alan Murphy. How are you doing, Alan? Doing all right. I'm wondering if that's the
12: 6809 track behind him. (laughs)
5: Uh,
2: We have my snuggle buddy and uh, and event roommate Grant Leedy's here. How you doing, Grant?
0: Hey, how's it going, guys? Glad to be here. Glad to
2: have you. We've got David Ladd. He's excited to be here, aren't you, David?
6: Oh, yes. Is everybody ready for today's show? I certainly am ready. It's... uh, it's a great day and for some reason I woke up on the right side of the sleeping surface, so I'm all ready to go.
2: Ooh, that is exciting. Yes, and last but certainly not least Redbeard is here, another Polly. Paul Thayer, the Slayer, how you doing? Good.
4: After that performance from Dave Ladd, all I can say is
2: hi. <laughs> <laughs> And I am your guest host today. My name is Grant Leedy as well. All right. So uh, good night, everybody. OK, now, great show. Great show in store for you. I missed last week's show. I have not had a chance to uh, to catch the replay, but I know Karen was on. Who else did you have on? Did you have uh, Steve Bamford on with him or did you have uh, Stuart Orchard? We had Stuart on. Stuart on. <clears throat> Steve wasn't okay. able to make it. OK, I am looking forward to catching that replay. Thanks, uh, Karen, for doing that, and for all that you do. Um, and I'm looking forward to this week's show and all kinds of other goodies. Uh, is there, is there anything we want to talk about before we get into the game on results? You do we? I mean, I know we don't have a lot of show today other than news, we've got game on results and we have news. Do we? Oh, we have the, we have the authors of our we have game on authors, challenge so, this week, so, so we'll, we'll be some. hearing from them during the game on yep. discussion. Okay um and then did did brian weasler say he might be able to join us later because i'm sure he's got something to talk about so we'll do updates and acquisitions later after that yeah yeah hopefully he'll be able to make it all right uh okay well it seems like we're abruptly getting right into a segment there's no filler here there's no preamble uh no segue are we just ready to jump right into the game on results and all that good stuff I think so. Okay. Yep. So we do have, if I'm not mistaken, I believe there is a new entry uh, from the mind, from the very deep thinking mind of Samuel Gimes. I believe he's got something. So let's see what Mr. Gimes had to say this week about this week's game, and then we'll uh, be back. And now, Coco Thoughts by
0: Samuel Gimes.
3: I'm a dinosaur and I can't stand still. (laughs) A dino runner. Jump and I duck just to show my skill A dino run, run, a dino
2: run (laughs) <laughs> oh Lord, that uh, I loved That it. that was a catchy tune. It had a beat. You could dance to it. I like that. Paul Fiscarelli, author of Dino Run, what did you think of that tribute and musical tribute? I mean, to your game there. That was beautiful. I love it. Ah, awesome. <laughs> the Dino Run Run the Dino Run. It just it's got a hook. I have a feeling that that song, had it been released on the airwaves, would have been a huge major hit, an international hit. It's just got such a catchy thing to it. The dino run, run, the dino run. Man, he's just, he's got it, right? R-
10: awesome. rather concise, I
2: would say. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hit maker, that Samuel Gimes. Uh, excellent, excellent. All right, well. That was the game of the week, Dino Run. Uh, by the way, our music critic, uh, Ron Delvo. How many, how many thumbs up are you going to give that rendition there? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, <laughs> he doesn't have enough thumbs oh, uh, to rate up it. I, I so. thought Ron would at least give it a two or three star review this time because it was short. Right. all right, here we go. Let's, go. Let's, let's let's jump into the results. We got a professional show here to run today, folks. All right, come on.
3: Welcome, everyone, that to the happen. results of this week's <laughs> Game On Challenge, where we played Run, Dino, Run.
5: <laughs> what? That's my score.
2: What? Poor Dino, what happened? Got skewered. There
3: were a total of 29 participants, wow, that's a record, so let's probably, see right? how everyone did. O.G. Stevie Stroh, 502. Oh, really? I nice. just... Gary M., 533. Paul Fiscarelli's son, Declan, 547. Damon Beals, 610. Declan, Mark you made B, 692. It. Paul Fiscarelli's daughter, Wynn, 695. Exile in Paradise, 819. Canadian Retro Things, 910. Sab 915. Paul Fiscarelli
2: 967 He probably cheated
3: L Curtis Boyle 1041 Mr. Technology
2: Mr. Dave 6309
3: 1244 Rich N 1256 Redbeard 1290 David Craker's son Joshua 1291 Sloopy Malibu 1359 Pedro Pena 1408 Low Level 1582 Melly, 1611. Tasman's Michaela, 1733. Tom C., C, 1942. Jim Rye, 2020. Coco Discord user, 2342. Eric Omont, 2422. David Craker, 2498. Tim Botec, Tim Lindner, twenty six twenty six Kieran thirty two sixteen Buck Owens fifty two sixteen and the number one score this week is Tasman Scott Cooper with wow. six thousand eight hundred and fifty. Thanks to everybody that played. See you next week. Wow, six, And we also had a late entry from Mr. Chip for 5.48, but it
2: was past the deadline, so it didn't Uh, get into the video. All right, man, that's a record turnout, 29 participants for the playing of the game. I didn't realize we had some live collaboration going on, too. It's just, wow, I'm getting all kinds of tingly inside here. This feels very community-centric, very togetherness, very collaborative, fun, communal-type stuff, man. This is awesome. Excellent turnout. Am I in the uh, Amiga community all of a sudden? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's way more infighting there. (laughs) Awesome. Great game. We're not divisive enough here. And what did that game cost, by the way? How much did we pay for that? Uh, We haven't discussed that with Paul yet. Uh, He's... We we were going to owe them some royalties. Everybody owes Paul. Hopefully, everybody got their money's worth <laughs> on what they paid for playing
7: that game this week, right? So could I share screen real quick? Could Ron Adelfo yep.
2: share screen? I don't know if I need to stop sharing.
7: Yeah, I can't
2: do it. I, we'll just will just uh, how do I stop sharing? I turned off my uh, sharing thing. I don't know how to stop sharing right now. Okay. I don't know how to do it seriously, and that's kind of a problem, right? Hmm. Something to do with Zoom. Uh, Share screen. Multiple participants. Try it now, because I'm still sharing, but see if you can share, Ron. Okay.
13: There, I stopped you from sharing.
2: All right. All right. Oh, wow, look at that. That's a screenshot of a lot of people playing.
7: Yes, and in fact, um, I have the uh, CM8 there. I was actually on for a short time. All right. Anyway, they had, um, Sloopy had, uh, Joined a bunch of people and they played the game. It was fun.
2: Excellent. I think
7: you, you participated. Did you not?
2: I was on the test call the night before. I didn't oh, get a chance okay. to do the main
7: one. But well, yeah. this is from from the test call. I think actually. Oh, yeah.
2: you a little under the weather there, Ron? You sound like you got to sniffle yeah, or something.
7: Yeah, I have RSV. You know what that is? Some kind of virus thing. No. Makes you feel sick for about a week. Ah, sorry to hear that. <laughs> I got. Yep.
2: Cool. All right. Well, the game of the week was Run, Dino Run. Ken, this is your segment. This okay, is your well, to shine. Take it away, Ken. I have some footage here from, uh,
3: I believe it is from Tasman.
1: Is it one that shows the
3: Easter egg? Um, I haven't actually had a chance to watch it all the way through, but it's some of the gameplay of his... Uh,
2: by the way, oh. I was surprised to see people starting to do this uh, hacky artifact mode that I didn't think was possible, but I see a lot of people ran with it, and it's it's interesting.
1: I still that's a VCC the, bug from the older VCCs, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
2: I prefer the green RGBness of the game, but um, yeah, this is an interesting look at least.
5: Yeah, well, I've got the Makes latest the VCC that I better. know of.
3: So uh, did anybody have any tips or tricks or uh, there were Easter eggs in the game? So um, I believe this video does show one of them, but uh, anybody find yeah, way near the end. If I remember. Yeah.
1: Uh, there's one chick that some people liked and some people didn't, which is basically to hold down the duck button constantly. Because then your nose can actually go into like a cactus or something else a little bit and you can jump before that because it kind of detects based on your standing height so you can actually get a bit of a visual cue when to jump. Some people found that easier, some people didn't.
2: That looks like that's what Tasman is doing right now.
12: Yeah, Um, yeah, I just put the mouse cursor right under the uh, line about where I needed to jump so when the thing got to where the mouse was, I would just jump.
7: This is a pay attention game.
2: I like how every now and then you see a snowman too. That's kind of cool. (laughs)
7: <laughs> yeah in the desert
2: and,
1: with pe- with cacti yes yeah, yeah. Yeah. odd and <laughs> you can is. see where the game is sped up here a bit too when you start hitting certain that snowman thresholds. fell over
2: i got a couple of fallen over snowmen they must have been drunk <laughs> they're desert snowmen so yeah <laughs> Now, paul
1: i wanted to ask something because i did notice it happened to me a few times you can sometimes double jump you can jump on the back of something and then jump a second time without dying
11: So I've heard people uh, reporting that. I haven't seen it myself, but uh, there wasn't a whole lot of QC time uh, behind this one. Um, Simon and I kind of tossed it back and forth over a period of about three weeks. So we didn't get a a lot of play testing in. So I'm sure that there's some uh, bugs and glitches in there. Collision detection isn't 100% accurate. So, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I'd be interested to see it myself. Yeah, I saw like it once or twice games. when I
1: was playing and uh, it it actually I thought maybe you'd put that in there as if you land exactly on the right pixel or something you actually get to do that or something but that was an accident by the sounds of it.
11: What it might be is one of the things hey, that Jeff. I was um that kind of caught me off guard as I was doing the dev was with the collision detection where his feet don't accidentally collide with the ground that he's running on. So it might be an artifact of that where, you know, his feet think that he's still on the ground. Um so to speak and uh, as a result, he you know bounces off of it or something. That would make sense.
4: I got a question for Paul. Um, did you recreate the graphics by hand, or did you extract it from the the actual game, the Chrome game?
11: Uh, no, actually, all the I mean, I found the um, I found the graphics online, uh, and what I did is I have like this little uh, sprite editor thing that I put together a while back that uh, I just. Created them and uh, exported them as FCB statements to be able to import directly into the game. So, to do the graphics, it was fairly easy and quick. Um, they're kind of small, so they're easy to reproduce. Yeah. flying.
4: Yeah, I was going to say this is inducing panic just watching this. Yeah.
14: <laughs> oh, you're talking about the sprites there because the mountains, you remember I just grabbed some random mountain picture and I just transposed it into Pretty one.
11: You can't even hit your elbow on this one, right? (laughs) Yeah, this is at the fastest speed. Once you hit 2,000 points, it's going as fast as it can, and we're not frame locking it or anything, so we're just letting it fly as fast as the CPU can blast out pixels.
6: Wow. While playing
1: three-voice music, I might add. Yeah,
11: Yeah, that's a good point, uh, Curtis. The, um, The whole thing behind this, it was really just meant to be a proof of concept, and... It didn't really turn into a game until maybe a week uh, or so into, you know, Simon and I playing around with it. But once we started realizing, you know, how many CPU cycles were left over after his three voice player, um, we uh, decided we could make a little game out of it.
1: Now, is there like one Easter egg's coming up at a certain score that's named after a CPU? We all know. Um,
11: Is is there other ones beyond that, too? Uh, So... There, there are no other uh, scoring Easter eggs. There's a couple other Easter eggs built into the game um, with a couple of different keystroke combinations. Um, for those that want to explore, uh, it's open source. We uh, published the source code to it on GitHub uh, a couple of years ago after we did the dev. Um, and the Easter eggs were in there from the beginning. So um, keeping them under wraps for the last couple of years uh, was kind of neat and seeing them come out and one of them come out at least in the game on challenge here. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. yep, he's about to hit it in a few here.
1: Yeah, once you hit 6809, the, the Easter egg comes out.
11: Did you add the arrows? Was the arrows in the original version? They were. They don't come out uh, after you until uh, score 2000.
15: Okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Exiled in Paradise says "Did the uh, Gagana Bawana guys, are they the ones throwing the spears?
3: <laughs> Ooh, and how come there's no Easter egg at 6309?
11: Well, I did consider that, but um, 68 is more true to my heart for... Uh, oh, there it uh, is, Coco. There's the Easter Audrey. egg. Yep. And he died, like, almost immediately after now, that. Now, is that something yep. you still have to jump over to? You do.
2: So it's still yep. an obstacle.
11: Yep. And the video ends right
2: right there. So yep. wow. <laughs> the last he few seconds of the video. Good so. job, Tasman, for getting there. That's cool. That's cool. And so I missed the whole. I missed the show last week. But thanks for doing the one that said "Game On Challenge Edition." That's kind of cool. I was watching uh, Sloopy the other night doing the test call. I'm like, "Oh man, Sloopy, how'd you get on the, on the screen like that?" You know. And it's like, <laughs> well,
11: well, yeah. Um, uh, Canada asked me uh, about uh, two weeks ago if I would mind having uh, Dino run as part of the Game On Challenge, and I said, "No, absolutely not." Uh, I was away uh, on a trip with my brothers last weekend. So he pushed out a week, which gave me a little bit of time to, you know, put a uh, custom message in there. I actually uh, modified a uh, couple things. I added uh, an instruction page because when we first released it, a lot of people were asking, you know, how do you play this thing? You know, what what are the controls? So I put that in there. And then the other one, uh, I know uh, you weren't a big fan of the London Bridge tune in there, uh, Stevie. So we yanked that and I uh, replaced it with something else. Oh, I have a so. different track in there. Cool. Yeah, I'm
2: gonna have to play it, it the way
11: that we did the music. I've got a little utility that allows me to transcribe uh MIDI pretty easily, and we're just able to import it uh fairly quick, um, <laughs> as a replacement. <laughs>
2: Scott Cooper says, When he saw the cocoa, it startled him, and that's why he crashed because <laughs> he wasn't expecting that. <laughs> like, holy cow, there's a cocoa in this game! That's I have cool.
1: a question for you too, Paul. What is the official pronunciation? Is it run Dino run or run Dino run?
11: Uh, whatever, whatever people want to pronounce. I mean, it was Dino basically... Door. Yeah, whatever Dino Wars is or Dino. But Dino Wars. from the Flintstones. No, yeah, that's
1: yeah. Yeah, I've heard Dino Wars. Dino Wars pronounced both
2: ways too. So tomato, tomato.
7: I know both it it it. ways. When you play this, it, composite. Your internet's <laughs> supposed to be back by the time you're, you're done playing. Yeah,
11: exactly. He's building yeah, up just, enough. I just carried that over from the Chrome game, and yeah. it appears randomly. Um, saying that there's no internet i just thought that was kind of a neat little app. oh
1: i thought maybe you were planning to do an internet-based you know dual player you know simultaneous speed run thing
11: <laughs> yeah
2: right that would be interesting if you could have uh, a two-player version on the same computer like split screen you might have to kill the music yeah. at that point with a ready have... set go and then yeah. you both play at the same time on the same
11: track yeah maybe that'll be the uh four-bit uh color version of it
2: huh. <laughs>
1: Cool. And for those who don't know the history, this is a game that's built into the Cocoa browser, Chrome browser, when uh, your internet goes down. It was originally came out in 2014, and then got patched a little bit because it was a little bit too hard, I think in 2015. And it's been there ever since. I actually put up a page entry for it finally uh, yesterday, I think it was, uh, on my page. So I put a little bit of the history from the
2: Chrome version. So you're saying this has been in the Cocoa browser since 2014? I didn't even know we had a Cocoa browser. But that's, <laughs> that's impressive that we have a browser with a built-in minigame. That's... Uh, does that require uh, Nitrous 09 to uh, run the Cocoa browser? Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Notice I, he said yet. There's um, no. It's it's <laughs> it's neat because I remember when uh, Paul premiered the game on the show and we didn't even know what it was. He's like, hey, I got something I want to show off. Can I? And the show went off, so I think the subject of that game was, uh, the subject of that show was like, you know, surprise game or something, because no, none of us knew what it was when um, when you guys unveiled that, when you and Simon unveiled the game for us to take a look at. And uh, so, yeah, it's kind of cool that we got to see it here on this show first a couple of years ago, and now we're making it a game on uh, game of the week and all kinds of cool stuff.
11: It's very cool, Yeah, man. for sure. I'm, I'm uh, glad so many people participated, and there was... Uh... People seem to enjoy it. Um, so that was yeah, great to see. Yeah, it's a great turnout. Well, one of the things, too, I did want to say, I think Sloop, uh, with his initiative to do the uh, the Wednesday night gameplay, the Tuesday, you know, test call and everything, that definitely drew a lot of interest. So uh, I didn't even realize you guys were doing that until I saw the test call uh, from Tuesday and thought that was great. So I'm sure that that increased the number significantly.
0: No, nah, it was all just because the game was great.
11: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, it's also a game you can play very quickly because you tend to die really fast. So, like, like the previous week game, Dungeons, I didn't get a chance to play because it takes a while to play, like even to get a you know, fairly decent score because it's an exploratory style game where this one is a quick, you're one move wrong and you're dead because you only get one life.
11: So, Yep. And so I can't there. remember here. who
3: said it in the chat, but somebody's down to one hand right now. So they said, great game because I can actually play it with one arm. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah. your, your next game is Run, Stevie, Run. <laughs>
2: I am not running
1: anywhere. It's more like crawl, Stevie crawl, I think. Yeah. It's after he said too many tequilas.
6: All or right. rum.
2: So, anything on the uh anything on the horizon, Paul Fiscarelli any projects you're working on? You can tease us with or is uh, it stuff under wraps still?
11: No, no um no other game development at the moment. Um I did make a post last night to uh the Facebook group there's a little utility that i put together um the last couple of days are, are you gonna be around the whole show paul because that's actually coming up in the news so okay we'll we'll hold off for that then so but Next, um, i'd like to go
1: with some detail about that so
11: yeah uh kind of some behind the scenes stuff nothing really to speak of um haven't really touched the uh retro stuff uh throughout the summer it's been a busy summer a lot of activities with the kids and tr- trips uh, and stuff like that so mm, growing but uh, slowly getting back into it it's that time of year yeah. and uh get yeah grooming your beard that's probably Ooh. part of it too all the <laughs> time. All right.
5: here's some source <laughs> code you should look at.
11: <laughs> that's <laughs> one of the backup tapes to the Red run Diner run, uh, <laughs> HQ back there yeah so uh one thing i did want to mention though and uh i think you possibly mentioned this last week uh ken um we i did have a little prize in mind for yep, the high score yep. winner this there week was uh, Yep. Some sort of a
3: prize that's going to be given out this week. So,
11: yep. Uh, so, hope that it's okay. I mean, I know that, you know, the Game On Challenge is more about participation and, you know, folks actually playing rather than it being a competition. But, um, Scott, I'm going to need your address. Um, so, congratulations. You get the trophy.
2: Oh my goodness! Oh wow! <laughs> wow. Oh wow! That's three D printed. Run, Dino, run! Coco Talk Game yep. On Challenge Champion, October, dude. That is incredible, man. That's, a, that's awesome. Hey, can I get a can <laughs> I get a participation wood trophy?
7: Wood <laughs> <laughs> is this simulated wood grain or real wood grain? No, that's a real piece of wood, I think. Wow!
5: Someone got out a router and made that.
2: <laughs> that is amazing.
11: So. Yeah, so Scott, if you want to uh, send me your address and uh, a private chat or whatever, um we'll get this out to you. That's even so, better than a cup of douchery uh yeah, we it, had yeah. a few well, years. Back. yeah, definitely uh inspired by uh De Bruce um DeBruce. Uh, his, uh, chalices. Chalice of bravery and chalice of wow. uh, Great.
2: All right, so so I, I want to agree with Paul Shoemaker. He says, I'm afraid I must insist we have trophies every week now. <laughs> <laughs>
11: well, that's up to the game developer.
2: It's, it's going to take that long to 3D print each one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't cool. know if that's in the budget. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, think even Chrome
1: has a trophy for their yeah. speed.
2: Yeah, so uh, Frederick, I was being kind of tongue in cheek when I said there's a Cocoa browser because I think Curtis slipped on that. Uh, to my knowledge, there is no Cocoa browser, but he's you're saying it. Uh, he's Scott uh, Frederick Provanche says he's thinking about. Um, oh,
1: yeah, he's got some very preliminary work done, same as I did quite a few years ago, just to read HTML and display it on the ah. screen, like you know, fixing some of the tags and stuff. And he, same um,
5: here. I'll even cool. be showing mine off at the Cocoa Fest. Yeah, Ooh. awesome. So there
3: is a Cocoa browser.
5: There
2: is a Coco browser. Okay.
11: There is a, so well, Now we have a game to put on it when the internet goes down for that browser. That's right. <laughs>
2: yeah.
11: So one other thing I did want to mention, though, um, you know, I've been doing all the talking here. This definitely was a team effort. Couldn't have been done without Simon's help. So uh, Simon, did you have anything you wanted to
14: add? Yeah. Apart from the mountains of the bike where I just grabbed some random picture off the interweb and transposed it and... Apart from telling you how the roll instruction, I worked. was gonna
11: just ask. Do you want to bust my chops on the rolls?
14: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you was like, oh, "I'm gonna put curry in there." No, you don't bloody need to, boy.
11: Yeah. Don't so wh- what what we're talking about is basically as the development was happening. Uh, me, this was kind of my first uh, real game uh, on the '68 or '9. So uh, one of the things that we did for the the parallax scrolling the um, Mountains are scrolling with a separate routine where it's just basically uh low D, store D. Um, but the mountains are the uh, obstacles themselves, um, the train that Dino's running on is uh done with rolls and we're controlling the speed of how often those uh individual scan lines are being rolled. And in my naivety, I would thought that with the rolls that it was up to the programmer to handle the carry. Um, and trying to transfer that to the adjacent byte, but it's happened automatically on the 6809 nine for you. So as I was struggling to figure out how to handle that, Simon was looking at my code. He's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Get that out of there. It takes care of it by itself." And as soon as I removed it, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it works!" <laughs> so
1: if you want to God. see a hyper example of roles, if you take a look at Scramble by Tomic Software, where it's scrolling the whole terrain and the you know all the different missiles and stuff like that that entire thing's done with rolls all the way across the entire height of the screen so
14: I actually I actually learned that back in the day with the c64 like uh, sprite scrolling in the borders from one sprite to another one and I uh, I used it on uh, on a uh, Hercules card on a very early pc as well when no one says, says someone says well you can't do a smooth scroll with text on a Hercules card on like,
6: uh, hold,
14: I'm my <laughs> right. hold my beer hold my beer hold <laughs> my beer all
1: right cool i do have one question for paul if i remember correctly the chrome version i think uses the up and down arrows to do the duck and jump which is kind of what i was used to so was there a reason you picked space and enter instead
11: i don't remember i think maybe uh one of the things that i was looking at was um, having good hand placement where it was easy to, you know, keep your hand separated to be able to do the duck and uh jump. Um, whereas the arrow keys being, you know, a bit wonky on the cocoa. I think that's probably what Okay led me to choose that way. I think I originally started with uh the joystick buttons and then realizing not everybody's gonna have a joystick. Um or two button you know, one for that matter, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, actually with the controls, you can pick up, uh, either the left or right joystick or just get the keyboard. Um, you don't have to pick ahead of time or anything along those lines. So, also one out.
1: thing I think you and Simon should mention too, like this requires a Cocoa three yet it's using a P mode four. And a lot of people were trying to run it on a Cocoa one or two thinking, looking at the screenshots, this is a P mode four game. It's gotta be yeah, exactly.
11: There was definitely, definitely, definitely a decision there. Um, So, yeah, basically, uh, what I was looking for, because the original Dino game is uh, uh, monochrome, was a monochrome color set. And, you know, as people found out with the VCC, a little VCC bug there, um, you can get artifact colors. But I was trying to avoid that. That's why I chose the green. Um, So, hence the confusion why it looks like a a P-Mode 4 game. But, um, yeah, we needed to use... uh, the COCO3 for both the high speed uh, poke um, to get it going as fast as it possibly could. I think we tried some uh, test cases on the COCO2 and it was it was pretty slow, so it didn't look like it was going to be possible. Um, and then the other piece was uh, because of the FIRQ uh, timer for for the audio, um, for the synth, and um, those two pieces are what require the COCO3. If you take
14: away the audio, if you take away the audio, it's totally playable on a Coco Tune.
11: Yeah, one of the things that we also talked about was possibly throwing it on a ROM cartridge where we could take advantage of the high-speed poke and doing a different type of internet driven not player um, instead of FIRQ to be able to do the tune, um, maybe a two-voice player or something in that case.
1: Yeah, that'd be pretty cool because I mean, other than that, it, it should only it should run on a 64k cocoa just yep. easily. So yeah.
2: or even uh, one of the cheap little sound chips. If you're gonna do it on a cartridge too, and not have sure. to use any CPU at all for that. Yep.
4: Uh, I had a question. Did anybody hook up any sensors to their screen to play this game?
11: <laughs> robots. No, so it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because Tim uh, Tim Tim uh, Tim Lindner, uh and the uh, collab gameplay the other night said, you know, this thing is primed for uh, Dinobot, yeah. and uh, <laughs> without giving away too much, uh, there is a Dinobot easter okay. egg in there, so if you can find it. Okay. You might have to look at the source code, uh, but Dinobot does exist.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, a comment
1: from Scott Cooper, he says, I noticed that the Chrome version of this game will not let you duck the whole time, like holding down the enter key, so
14: he said he likes the Cocoa version a lot better.
6: Twice. What?
14: what? Yeah. And well, God exists as well, doesn't it?
11: God exists as well, so Dino can be God. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. First oh, um,
4: code. Code Bullet did uh, uh, AI for the 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 Chrome version, or not even the Chrome version. I think because he rewrites the game that he's he's doing it because he does that a lot. He, he I don't know if anybody's ever seen uh, Code Bullet. It's a funny, funny channel the guy uh does ai to play certain games but he'll rebuild like he'll write tetris and then he'll write the ai to play tetris and uh he did the same thing with with the run dino run and so it's pretty cool cuz this things going in you know, like Incredibly a million miles. A yeah i have yeah. seen
11: that john it's it's amazing you know that he's able to do that with ai
4: yeah and his fun uh, his channel is extremely funny if you ever get a chance to watch it it's called code, code bullet
2: Cool. Cool. Thanks for doing oh, that, Paul and Simon. Simon's been the mad welcome. collaborator.
11: Glad you guys chose it. Thank you for yeah. uh, having us. It was a lot of fun. Game on
1: challenge. Hopefully that will encourage a sequel of some sort. Yeah,
2: and I'm, I'm glad that what transpired this past week has, because when, when we were talking about transitioning Game On you know, because when uh, Nick Morota has to do other things right now, so he can't do it. And we, so we were figuring, okay, who's going to host it? How are we going to do it? We did some brainstorming and throwing out some ideas. And one of the ideas I had was it would be great if we could get some of the people who play the game to join us as part of the segment or at least record some videos for us to make it more interactive and more collaborative. And I think we are definitely, thanks to Sloopy now, on that path, right? So doing the middle of the week kind of live gaming session where people get together and play together um, is kind of cool. And so I'm glad that that happened. I'm glad it was a success. That you know, if you have, if you have two people doing it, that's that's a success. If you got a half a dozen or more, that's even better. But getting together and playing and then streaming that and just having fun together matter of fact i don't know if you want to roll a clip from that from that live session i don't know if you got if anybody had that queued up to show because i missed that one but that might be something in future shows where we show maybe a highlight from the midweek multiplayer session that goes on to something to think about there ken um mm-hmm. but i just love the idea that people are coming together more you know i mean that's that was the this this whole segment I wasn't sure where it was going to go. This segment was suggested by Mr. Dave. It's become one of our most popular segments of the show. And it continues to just bring people together. And if we can't somehow augment that, enhance that, and amplify that, um, those are all good things. And and I think we're on track to do that, which is kind of cool, just making the show more interactive and collaborative. I'm really, really excited about that in the future of stuff like that, you know? Agreed. Cool, cool, cool. So what else? Tips, tricks? Anything else we want to talk about? I'm just kind
3: of curious. Did anybody actually play using the uh, two-button joystick or what? Or did everybody use the keyboard? Keyboard here.
5: No. I never got my score in, but I did use the two-button joystick because I like to sit back and do this thing. Mm. (laughs) And you just can't do that hunched over a keyboard. Right, right.
2: I did verify it runs in XROAR, the latest uh, XROAR yeah. update that supports Cocoa 3. So I had that running on my Cocoa Pie in XROAR. So that's cool that we have more ways to enjoy Cocoa Ness. I, I like Karen's uh, color treatments, how XROAR is handling. Um, I know some people complain about how MAME handles the Cocoa 2, how the screen seems kind of washed out because it kind of has that filter, that glow to it that you can't mess with. Um, uh, the way Karen's handling uh, kind of uh, CRT and composite looks on Cocoa uh, 1, 2, and 3 is really cool. His kind of color handling of that stuff. It looks very analogy, very organic y. So I think Karen's doing a hell of a job not only on the back end on the emulation, but on the visual presentation of how the simulated screens look. It's really cool. So. Um, I'm becoming yeah, I think he touched on that during his interview last week too, uh, okay. I remember. which I have to catch up on. Yeah, but I'm becoming a much much bigger fan of x of uh, especially for some of the visual things it's doing. That I think it's, it's far superior to Mame at this point in that in that regard.
4: Well, to see the Coco Three support now too.
2: Yeah, That's
1: yeah, a- and he's actually working on snapshots now for the Coco Three because of course you have to save the whole MMU state and extended RAM and everything else. So it's a bit more complicated than it was in the Coco One Two or the Dragon. But once he gets that going, you can save a game right right in the middle of it. You know, and pick it up a week later. I think that's gonna be awesome.
2: Oh yeah, that would be. That would also be good for being able to load things because I think that's the one. I don't know if complaint is the word, but when you get when we're getting some feedback from the Cocoa Pie, you know, the fact that you can load, uh, you know, on the Cocoa Pie, we can download the whole SDC image, we can have hundreds of programs at our disposal, but you still have to browse and load the program into your emulator and then from your emulated cocoa you then have to load and execute the program so it's a at least a two-step process to get the program running if you could have these kind of save states of the program running saved and then launch that from a menu it literally becomes a one-click thing to boot up a program you know so that would require you doing all the prelim get it loaded get the game save state loaded and then launch that from the launch script but that would make, bring it closer to being like a retro pie at that point where you're just, you know, menu driven software launching, uh, which would definitely make it a little bit more ease of use. Um, I, I personally don't mind having to load the software, but you know, that's that would,
1: part of the nostalgia for me, but yeah, yeah that's actually not a bad idea. And, yeah. uh, and I, think I guess what the what one thing uh, to make sure is that he supports multiple save states and instead of just one current one. Right. right or the different game, game,
2: right? file names right? you could do the save state based, the file name based on the game or something. Right. Yeah.
3: But we do have a few, uh, comments in the chat there uh scott cooper said that he noticed the chrome version doesn't allow you to duck the whole time so he likes the coco version better
7: um you better uh, watch it or they'll revoke the uh all right.
3: And a lot of people are well, Exile in Paradise here is saying that it's uh nice to have the midweek game thing so you don't uh forget until Friday to post the score.
5: <laughs> Jim four. Yeah. Jim Jim Rye yeah, says smart. it
3: breaks up the week nicely.
2: Yeah. Uh Hump
3: day. Gary M played with the mouse. Hmm. Used the mouse for it. Uh The
1: Reducer 66, he said he used a Gravis analog joystick with his left hand only. I think he must be the guy that his right arm's out of
2: commission. Mm. And then Karen also says snapshots are useful for rage quitting and coming back later without the load time for (laughs) using a a defender as an example.
1: (laughs) That's going to be a pretty quick save state, though, because you tend to die within like 30 seconds, so you don't have much time to save.
3: Cool. All right. So anything, any any other things people want to say about uh, Run Dino Run? Speak now or forever hold your well,
12: peace. The little dinosaur's facial expression when he hits a cactus is just about
11: perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's taken directly from the chrome version, for sure. I can't take credit for that, but it does look <laughs> pretty cool. Well, I
1: thought it was from personal experience of you know hitting the nether regions with a piece of cactus, because that's cactus. pretty well what I would do.
2: <laughs> Fire out. Well, are we going to now reveal, without any further ado, what next week's game of the week is? So, as
3: many people know, next week is the MC-10 special. So, next week's game will be an MC-10 game.
2: Ooh, MC-10 Pac-Man. Ah, here we go. Ooh. Have we done any Pac-Man's, Pac-Men or Pac-Persons on well, the Well, we Challenge did the transcode games? version of Pac-Man. Oh, that's right, we did. Okay.
3: And um, yeah, so that is next week's game. Now, if you uh, don't have uh, an MC-10 or you don't have the MC-10 emulator, I'll be posting some links in the Discord uh, room uh, with links to where you can uh, play some. MC-10 uh, emulators or download them.
2: And one of them also is a, uh, of them's in a browser, right? Yeah. 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 I was going to say, yeah.
4: You can actually download that. I've actually, like if you had your own website, you could have a page that would have that, the mc
3: Yeah, Jim Gary's got it on his site mm-hmm. as well. Cool. Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm posting the Jim Gary uh, website that has it, uh, the browser edition and the uh, a link to the VC- VMC-10.
2: Okay. Yeah. Very cool.
1: Also, mentioned that the author of the Pac Man game, Dion, will be on the show next week. Oh so He'll be talking goodness. about it. And yes. he said there's some Easter eggs in that game as well. My goodness. Oh, no.
0: cool. Hey, David that's like, completely in my unplanned, opinion, the completely
2: best. Unplanned.
0: In <laughs> the my opinion, that's dead.
2: the best
4: game for the MC10, hands down. It's yeah. just so well done.
2: Um, I like the asteroids, though, too. Pretty MC10. Yeah, Darren Atkinson. There's also the, co- the conversion of Space Assault. Space um, Assault's on there. Flag and Bird is on there too. Um, yeah, there's a Tetris game that Greg Dion did too, which actually has digitized sound samples in it. But it's a damn good game. But I like I like the MC10 Tetris too. It's pretty good. Uh, Terry Steig is asking, can it play on his Alice? And honestly, I don't know. Um, yeah, I,
1: I don't see why not. If it if the out the, the original Alice anyway though. One I think the well the VMC10 the, 10.
3: 10, the VMC10 has an Alice uh, um, emulator in it so, and I think I was playing around with that and looked like most things worked. I never tried Pac Man, but
14: cool. it, the, the only thing with the Alice emulation there is uh, the only difference is the ROM because it's exactly the same machine.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, so it should work. All you need is the twenty the sixteen K RAM expansion, right?
14: Yeah, if you're using if you're using ROM routines for something, then it's probably not going to work because they're at a different location. But uh, if you're just using the bare metal, then it should work.
1: Right. Okay, I'm not sure if Pacman uses the bare metal or not, but
2: one way to find oh. out, Terry, load it up. Load it I will up. load it up. it
3: up right now and take a look.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if the Alice supports the MCX128 or the MC32SDEIEIO adapter board. Um, but um, that would be interesting to know too if that works because you could load it off of an SD card or over uh, MC protocol too. Uh, and it's also available on the Cocoa Pi because all the MC10 stuff's on the Cocoa Pi. So another option there. Uh, Oh, Dave, Mr. Dave says Terry's trying to make everybody jealous talking about his Alice. Yeah, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. So That, that is likely time. true. All right. Lay Alice. Okay. Uh, good segment. Good segment. Oh, you know what I didn't do? bless my heart i didn't do the i didn't queue up who's new to discord so i'm going to have to do that um but uh and Does unfortunately to a
7: half an hour now? Uh, i believe that <laughs> i believe the who's new
2: to discord is about a 29 minute segment this week so um it's going to take me a minute to get it queued up because we're live but we're going to do that we're going to do you, the um who's new to discord hey. and then we'll be back with something else who was getting ready to say something sloopy were you saying something
0: yeah, do you want me to do my uh, small presentation of uh, Wednesday's show while you're queuing it up?
2: Uh, uh, try, yes.
0: Okay. Let's see if I can share screen here.
2: Yeah, because uh, once I start, I'm going to have to start. So we'll go ahead and do your thing first. All right,
3: let's see. Okay, sorry, Sloopy. just let me – I just want to say real quick, I just tried on VMC 10 um, – on the Alice uh,
2: emulator and Pac-Man ran fine. Okay. Okay. There you go, Terry Steggy. It will run on your Alice. Okay. So this is uh, part of the live session that Sloopy hosted with, oh my God, how many screens we got there? We have eight screens up right now.
0: Uh, don't get ahead of ourselves.
2: Oh, sorry, Sloopy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> as it started, we were playing uh, the Run Dino Run, which we, uh, we just covered. So as we started, we... Uh, Only had me and Jim Rye, and uh, for the first uh, what twenty minutes, I guess it was, yeah, half an hour. Yeah, okay, so about about
2: thirty minutes in, we got thirty-five minutes.
0: Tim, Tim came in, okay, and I was beginning to wonder if it, it was if the show was going to be successful, but as you can see. My goodness! Two we and a half had,
2: hours later, this was like a short version of Cocoa Talk at this point. So, yeah,
0: we eventually had, <laughs> yeah, we eventually had eight people streaming and uh, playing and streaming. We had a couple more that didn't stream but played. Okay, and uh, overall, it was quite the success. I would say so. And so every week, on um, we we're doing it from um, seven p.m. till around 10 p.m. sometime um, later if it's real if there's a lot of people um we're doing this large time gap but you don't have to stay the entire time it's just that i wanted a uh, a time period that people from both europe and from the united states could be in there at a reasonable time on their wall clocks
1: mm-hmm. and that's so, 7 to 10 p.m
2: eastern you're talking about right
0: yes yeah, 7 to 10 p.m eastern u.s time stevie time yeah, stevie Steve, yes stevie time <laughs> all things are referenced by stevie time that's it <laughs> um cool so that's i want to uh i want to thank all the participants and uh congratulations to uh to tim lidner for getting the highest uh score on screen at uh 26 uh, 26.
2: nice nice yeah, we had erico montero jim rye paul fiscarelli pedro pena oh by the way ken you need to work on your Spanish annunciation, but Pedro Peña is a nya. All right, so you're way, way too Canadian there. you got to kind of you got Miami it up a little bit. All right, then we had Redbeard. Uh, okay, Peña. Slu- just, just say Peña. Pedro, eh? Pedro, eh? Yeah. Timbo <laughs> Tech, Tom. Tom C. from Jersey was playing? All right, man. This yep. definitely is a multicultural event there. All right.
0: Yeah. Cool. We also cool. had um, Alan Murphy, too. All right, and speaking
2: of Pedro Peña, Rocky Hill just joined us. Hey, Hey, Rocky. Your ears must have been ringing. Um, cool. Yeah, Kieran's
1: mentioning too. He thinks that it comes out about midnight in the UK, which is still a little bit late for him. So,
2: well, seven o'clock. Yeah, even seven o'clock is midnight. <coughs> well, you're you're welcome to join earlier, six. I <laughs> think the UK is six hours after Stevie time. Yeah,
4: yeah. It depends. Well, five five or six, depending on uh,
0: off of right Eastern time. Yeah, I didn't want to start it too early because I mean six o'clock, six p.m. is kind of early for Eastern time, but so that's why I was seven, so that's like around midnight. And
1: yeah, I mean if you do start early, I mean the West Coast people, it'll be what three p.m. or something like that. Yeah, so you got to wait for them to get off work.
0: Yeah, that's why I was going to like ten, so because then it, then it'd be like seven p.m. for them. And who knows what time it is in Australia? I mean, they don't even know.
2: They don't even know. So, All right. <laughs> It's like it's like, it's like it's like almost like they're on the opposite side of the world from us, or something. So,
0: I think I mentioned yeah. it on the stream. You should just
1: make it a twenty-four hour stream, so you can just cover every time zone, and then yeah, you know, that, then sleeping
0: yeah. and have a nap. Does that after? Work for me? Yeah. Right. I don't think so. All yeah,
2: the twenty-four hour Dino Run channel, all Dino Run, all the time. That's right.
0: In so. my contract, I get a break.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Three minutes. <laughs> the catheter works every, five five hours, every three hours. Yeah. Fifteen minutes after twelve hours. Yeah, I get, I get five minutes every uh, 12 hours to go to the bathroom and have a meal.
2: All right. So I need to run the Who's New to Discord, and I, I'm going to have to queue it up and, and refresh it. But uh, that's going to give us all a several-minute potty break. So if you need to take a potty break now, Ron, you don't need a hall pass. You don't need to raise your hands. So let's, <coughs> let's see who's new to our Discord community this week. And we'll be back in about 27 to 29 and a half minutes uh, metric time.
13: It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord This Week? rojas 36 Hello Coco friends. This is Mike Rojas, glad to be part of this great community. Like most of you, I got into computers as a kid, and still owe a great deal of my career to these machines. I have owned, lost, sold, and recovered most of the 8-bit computers I used in the day. Nelly. Hello, I'm Melanie. I haven't delved into Coco related stuff on my own, however. I have been there to see whatever my dad is working on. My retro interests are mainly with older consoles such as the Commodore 64, Atari 2600, and older generations of current consoles and machines. Mr. Chip. Hello fellow retro gamers, my name is Chip and I'm from upstate New York. Born in the 70s, raised in the 80s, and been hooked on tech and games ever since. I'm an educational administrator by day and a classic computer fan by night. My first love is the Commodore 64, but thanks to things like the Mr. Project, I've been able to experience every system a 48-year-old could dream of. Squid Aloha. I'm Sam. I'm into almost any old hardware you can play games on, mainly consoles. I've been into retro games for years but only recently branched into computers, as I never had them when I was younger. I've spent the last few years learning to solder so I can do my own mods, and at this point, I think I enjoy tinkering and repair, more than playing. Arathorn Hey, I'm Matthew. My first computer was my trusty Dragon 32. After that, I had a bunch of torch machines and then most things that SGI made, and some Suns and Apollos too. Nowadays, I work on matrix.org, and I'm here as I'm hacking on a Matrix client for my Dragon 32 using Cmoc and XRoar. Sandman, my name is Marcel. In 1980, I received my first color computer at 12 years old. I started my programmer career at that moment. The only store where we could buy a computer in my little town was a Radio Shack. After my Coco, I got a Model 3 and Tandy 1000. J.M. Hi all, my name is Jerome, and have been wanting to get back to using my old COCO equipment. Over the years I have collected more and more, mostly from friends and family getting rid of their stuff. I accumulated one COCO 3, a few COCO 2s, a couple of floppy drives, and piles of games. Gearhead, Greetings all. In real life, I'm known as Stephen Hirsch and have spent time on the malted media COCO list over the years. The types of retro systems I am into are. Almost anything pre-PC like Tandy, Apple, Commodore, and so on. Nacho Gamer. Hi everyone. My name is Corey Blosser. I have a general interest in the Radio Shack Tandy line of computers and some other retro PC models. I grew up with TRS-80 Model 1 and never had a Coco till recently. I'm hoping to learn more about them and possibly install some upgrades. Peter Bartlett. I'm Peter Bartlett of Bartlett Labs. I am primarily involved with the Z80-based Radio Shack computers. I design, assemble, and sell add-on peripheral devices. My goal here is to help refine a COCO prototype that I've been working on for a few years to figure out what devices are considered the most useful by COCO enthusiasts. The previous bios were edited for time's sake. Thanks to Tech, Paul Fiscarelli Terry Staggy. And the Coco Talk patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Https://discord.cocotalk.live.
2: Welcome, everyone, to the results of this week's Game On challenge. Where all right, and then when I hit the right button, we're back. All right, <laughs> cool. I thought I was starting again. Yeah, Groundhog Day. <laughs> Um, so Chip Monkey Go Moo is asking which of the three is the right one to pick for the, for the MC-10 one. Uh, I, I, he's given us a link to look at. I don't know how to answer that one, but it's going to be under MC-10, not Color Computer. So this is for the MC-10 and not the Coco. Um, yeah, there was a brief period of radio silence while I was queuing up the video for that to run. So sorry about that, but we're here. We're back. Who's new to Discord? It's been uh, busy, right? So the Discord community is growing. That's great. Glad to have all of you here. Hopefully some of those people will turn around and watch the show. Um, And we have more to talk about. So we've talked about the results. We've talked about next week's game. We're now going to talk about, I believe, Game On News with L. Curtis Boyle. Is there any Game On News this week, L. Curtis Boyle? Why, yes, there is. Wow. Excellent. Are you prepared to deliver that news to us, sir? I uh, am Lincoln Shorten. Great screening. All right. Everybody, get ready for Game On News with L. Curtis Boyle. No intro, just go straight into it. Right, well, I'll just go ahead and run the quick one here. All right, everybody, get ready for Game On News with L. Curtis Boyle. All right, Curtis, there you go no, That's di- no be the diva worst treatment intro here. no yeah, no no diva treatment oh no intro like yeah Curtis Boyle needs his freaking intro it's like a freaking <laughs> uh, you need a posse to hang out with you too bodyguard what's going on here Al Curtis
1: what a diva
4: yeah
2: <laughs> Well, since I don't get
1: paid I might as well get something out
2: of it <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay you guys can see that yes Tony Jewell from the dragon 32 yes. 64 owners and users group
1: yeah. So Tony um, said that uh, there was two dragons on display at the Retro Computer Festival at Cambridge. Now this is the same Cambridge area where they're going to have the Dragon Meetup itself in Massachusetts. No, nope, this is in the UK. <laughs> it's not Cambridge, Ontario, which was uh, there was another retro fester just two weeks ago or a week ago.
2: You guys, you guys went really far to talk about. Can can't uh, anybody make
1: up original <laughs> town names anymore? Why is everything called Cambridge? Uh. At any rate, he decided to show a few here. So we've got a Dragon sixty four and Dragon thirty two. You can see they're playing the, the uh, new MSX. Yep, the Super Sprite FM plus board, uh, including one of the ports of an AGD game by Paris Rat. And you can see a monster joystick here. That is a monster. Wow. Oh, I recognize
10: that Sidewinder Microsoft sitting yeah, on the dragon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That is cool looking. That Super Sprite board looks good. Yep. You can see it's still labeled the old MSX2+, Plus, so it's yeah. before the rename, but,
15: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Okay. Nice to
2: see some dragons in action.
1: Yep. Now, we were mentioning about uh, Greg Dion is going to be one of the guests and the author of the Pac-Man game we're going to be guesting uh, next week on the MC10 special. But here's uh, the version of Tetris. Now, there's two versions he released of Tetris. One was just the basic gameplay of Tetris, which I think we've all seen before. But uh, Jim Gary put up a video of the enhanced version that has some digitized uh, sound effects and stuff in it, um, which are rather loud because it's one bit sound. You can't control the volume, but I'll play a little bit of it here.
2: Okay. Oh, that's cool. It's got the Puyan color palette. That's one of Nick Moranke's favorites. Yeah, there's some digitized voice. There's some digitized sound effects.
1: Wow, that hurts. (laughs) Well, one bit sound, I guess. Plus, trying to keep it, you know, small enough in memory to fit the samples.
2: Wow! Isn't this the same palette set that uh, Donut Dilemma came in? Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we can we, we can now reference it as either the Puyan palette or the Donut Dilemma palette. So, That's interesting how they're using, like, the orange and green, because at least, like, some of these colors are hard to distinguish, like the cyan. Yeah. um, So the, like, the orange and purple together are really hard to distinguish. Um... Well, I will say one thing. It's it's making use of sound. I, I'm not sure what adjective to put in front of use, but it's making use of sound. <laughs> yeah, this is a
1: case my myself, personally, what I would have done was had fewer samples, but at a higher fidelity rate.
2: Ah, okay. Because
1: I think he tried to stretch, you know, try to fit as many samples as he could. Because he had, like, he described them, actually, as being like, there's a monkey screech as one of them, and then there's some digitized voice stuff being said. And I think if he'd limited it to only one or two of them, but, you know, doubled the the frequency rating or something, you know, to yeah. get a better sampling rate on it, it probably would have sounded better. I need some
2: cotton balls to help my bleeding ears right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: you'll, you'll hear some better
2: sound when we show Simon's uh, three-voice MC10 demo yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah, later yeah. on the show in the regular news. That's cool, though. It's definitely cool. Is, that's graphical, too. I was expecting it to be semi-graphics, but the fact that it is like P-Mode 1 level graphics, it looks cool.
1: Yeah, it's a machine language game. It's actually he did it before Pac-Man, I believe, too. Mm. So he'll be covering this stuff when we, we have him on cool. next week. I'm
2: excited about the MC10 special. <laughs> yeah,
1: And I'm definitely going to have to have a couple of these people on for, you know, separate interviews like Jim Gary, Greg Dion, and a few of the others, too. There's some really interesting things they've done in the back past that until I started, you know, talking to them to get the MC10 special set up, I didn't even know about. So uh, it'll be a very interesting show. Okay, Glenn Hewlett, of course, is the person that did the... I'll call him Transcodes just because that's what a lot of people call them, even though some people say that's technically not correct. You're wrong. To those people, I just say screw them. That's right. Hi, Nick. Um, So
2: basically, (laughs) he's (laughs) got... Let
1: me
14: tell you why you're wrong.
1: Let me tell you why you're wrong,
14: Curtis.
1: (laughs) So he's got a weblog uh, upgrade process here on... um, Progress, I should say, on what he's done with the Robotron that he's kind of announced as his next project with one of his favorite games. So in the span of very short time, because this was posted on October 9th. So this is literally posted, you know, right when Coco Talk was on last week, basically. And he's basically got the entire intro working already, which I will now show the video of. <laughs> now this isn't this isn't the hard part. Like Robotron has so many sprites, he's still worried, and I'm I am too to be honest, that he's gonna have enough CPU time yeah. to be able to drive everything at speed. Without you know maybe cheating and going to a six or nine or something like that, but uh, as far as the intro screens and stuff go, it it works pretty darn good so far. For the calore, you can see it's version zero point one, he spelled
2: uh, "calor" properly for the Tandy Calor Computer Three. Well, of course, he's just calling it a conversion at this one. Oh, oh look! I it's a good so far, eh? I like that screen there, eh? Yeah. Initial <laughs> tests indicate. Oh, ooh, look at that! The pulsating colors. Oh, I love it.
4: Yeah, a lot of the assets. From uh, the Defender games, are used in this game as well.
1: Yeah, you said Joust them. is actually closer to this than Defender is,
4: but he's done both. So I mean, yeah, he's got some right. assets. So he's got idea. the assets, right? So a lot of that carries over.
2: I mean, Not that he like, hasn't done a ton of work, I'm there's sure. There's like <laughs> ostriches and eggs in this game. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Robotron Twenty Eight Four saved the last human family. Okay, and does it actually? That's oh, as oh far that's as it. He's gotten. Yeah. Okay. Wow,
1: that's cool. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, looking pretty good so
2: far. Absolutely.
1: And that was in the span of like a week or two. So like like John was saying, it because a lot of the assets are the same and the hardware that he's emulating is basically the same between Joust and this that, you know, progress will be quite fast getting yeah, the some main of the, core some of the converted.
2: Some of the wheels now have been invented. Yeah.
1: But so. to, to get the optimization to run like 80, 90 sprites at a time, which you know, happens in yeah. Robotron, that's going to be the, the critical test.
4: That was the thing I thought of when I when I heard Ooh. he was doing, doing RoboTron. I was like, man, how's he gonna, you know, handle that many assets? Cause that yeah, that you, you, you have to drop the
1: frame rate maybe, and you only you know render every fifteenth of a second versus thirty or sixty or something? You know, still yeah. make it playable, and but maybe keep the speed up. I'm not sure. He hasn't got that far yet, at least as far as I know. So we'll we'll have to see. Yeah,
4: and also that game is uh, it, it kind of requires two joysticks because you have to be able to run one yep. direction and on fire at the other. Is he gonna? Is it gonna be a two joystick
1: game? Yep. Some people have been joking. Well, maybe not joking, but some people have been talking about making a 3D printed thing to hold two joysticks, either ah, two Black Beauties or two yeah, Deluxes. Okay. So they Mount don't move all joysticks your desk? on them.
2: Okay.
4: Yeah. You're going to need something like that because it's kind of like you have to be able to operate both of them at the same time. You
1: can't hold the joystick and operate it. You
2: have I mean, to. All you yeah, need is a couple of C clamps. But you don't need buttons on the joysticks
1: either. So that, that helps. You just have to be able to move them. But yeah, you have to get them to the. I, I mean, Robotac, the 1983 clone by Intracolor, did use two joysticks as well. And I played that fine in Black Beauties back in the day, but I also had it on, I remember, I think I had it on a couch. I had one on either side of me because the couch mm. material would prevent it from sliding like it would on a table. And I mm. got pretty good at it then, but yeah, it's it's a little difficult. Plus, I was young and nimble back then too. So. <laughs> now you're
2: old and nimble. Nice. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just old.
2: <laughs> Screw this nimble stuff. That is cool. Glenn Hewlett, continue to amaze us. That's cool. So much content. Yeah.
1: We also got an update from uh, Steve Bamford here. Now, he put this both in our Discord and on the World of Dragon Archive, which I displayed here because it's easier to share a screen than it is with Discord. Um, so this is an update update to Cersei's Island. Is that the right pronunciation? I hope so. Project, game project. Um, yep. So th- this time he's talking about the text rendering routine he wrote. Oh, and I he has like some it. samples there. And he actually had some comments from Stuart Orchard and a few others for you know optimizations, et cetera, here. But he's talking about how he can actually render the text quite quickly he's kept it all because it's a shorter text font okay. he can keep the offsets to draw it within eight bits so he's not going to 16 but which greatly slows you know some of these load and store instructions down and then he's also got if you add an org with certain things you can get all these different color combos quite quickly so he can render okay. the text really really fast you've got the drop shadow technique and stuff you can see on the bottom there too yeah. So kind of uh, covered that as a you know part of the update on the cersei's island project so Really looking forward to that one too. We've all seen what he's done with the game MasterCard for sound on that sucker yes. with the music and stuff. It looks and awesome. And Mark Overos, I believe you guys demoed it at VCF two years ago, didn't you?
10: Yeah, we did. It was really uh, popular. A lot of people saw that and recognized the type of graphics and just jumped right at it. So it was cool.
1: And of course, that'll be for the Dragon and the Coco 1, 2, and 3. So looking forward to that. Keep up the good work.
2: terrifying games
1: (laughs) so david mitchell posted a link to this in uh, facebook in the coco group and he typed in a game called explosion from this book which shown here the terrific games for your tandy color by hal ranko and sam edwards so other than just typing it in which he kind of demos how it plays etc but he also then decided to not optimize it per se but he's changed the rendering on the screen So it's a little bit easier to see now. I'm expecting fully here. I'm going to get some stupid Facebook or uh, YouTube ads coming on in here at some point.
2: So here's a little description of the game itself. Book code plus speed up poke. Okay. I'm not sure I'm familiar with. uh,
1: I'm not familiar with this one before either. This was a new one on me. So, in explosion,
12: you place pieces on the board, and add the pieces around it just drive whether or not that particular square overloads and begins exploding pieces somewhere else. So, it's kind of a stacking game, and there's rules on whether you know how many pieces you can put in each corner, or on an edge, or in the center. It's
1: actually kind of fun. Okay. Now, I think the original version here it shows a negative sign in front of a piece that the computer's played. Correct? Yeah, I think so. Because that was one of the things. It's it's kind of hard to tell at a first glance. Yeah. So one of the things he improved when he did it is he changed it to use inverse.
2: Okay. Oh, CPU thinking. Okay.
1: So he's kind of cleaned up the display a bit and it's a it's much easier to grasp visually very quickly oh, yeah, and I he like actually it. made a comment that he said this would be pretty good to you know make it with graphics on like key yeah. p-mode screen or something and actually make you know definable characters rather than just numbers etc
12: well and with uh semi-graphics having all the actual dots and explosions when the board <laughs> overloads would be a lot of fun
1: yeah and then you your like categories the too so
2: no, that's cool I, yeah i definitely like the version two because I still have no idea what the game is doing, but at least the the screen layout is a lot easier on the eyes, I think.
1: Yeah, and he actually added that CPU thing because the original game just sits there and pauses while it's thinking and you have no idea what's going on. So he's definitely improved it
2: already. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. There's been a lot of excitement about people doing type-in games lately, but a lot of that being shared on Facebook. And that's why I was hoping I could... Um, you know, we need some tools to make it easier for people to do that. For the people who are not used to doing things like development environments and cross assembly and stuff, and there is one on the on the Cocoa Pi now that I wanted to do like a formal video on. I was hoping to get Ron Klein to help me do that because I didn't want to steal all his thunder before I made that video. Um, and Eric Canales has a tool as well that's a Windows based development tool that's very user friendly it has an editor and it launches the emulator for you automatically and stuff so and then of course we got polly fiscarelli here who did the long branch never which is a great environment but it's not for the faint of heart for somebody who's not used to (laughs) setting up emulators and adding a few tools and stuff it's not that it's impossible because i did because i did it but it's not plug and play either, so
1: it's not for the casual. Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. But but there's been a lot of interest I'm noticing on Facebook. People bringing out the old books and talking about type in programs and, um, you know, where do I, you know, how do, how can I share this program listing with the group and stuff. So, um, the more we can put that in the hands of more people, I think the more stuff like this we'll see.
1: Uh, yeah, and I don't know if you remember, but the Amigos on their ARG presents, which is a kind of like random platform show, they actually did type in games as one of their subjects. Um, what they actually both physically typed it in they didn't cheat and download the pre-done one and, the, ah, and they had to pick Cocoa right. games for both of them So that right, was, right,
2: right, and that's kind of like Jim Gary's thing, most of his content is conversions of books that were in print from various formats from various systems so a lot of Jim's library is a kind of re-rendering of, from that whole legacy of these printed out Yeah,
1: he does a lot of the stuff like creative computing and stuff in the 70s that yeah, even before the Cocoa yeah. came out he converts them so. up and then he upscales them with you know, sending graphics and stuff too so
2: so, yeah, it's cool to see people getting into that, you know, and then not only just getting into it and doing it, but then maybe kicking it up a notch and like just showing shown here, like kind of optimizing it or just enhancing it a bit. That's that's really cool. Yeah.
1: Next up, we have Christopher English. Now, this is one where I'm going to put a public appeal out uh, to everybody watching and listening. So he came on to the Facebook Cocoa group and he uh, displayed some pictures here, screenshots from the March 1990 Rainbow, which is a review of a couple of arcade action packs he did. Back around that time, um, he had a volume one and volume two that he sold and Rainbow did a review of it. They weren't super thrilled with it, but I mean, it was you know, early programming for him. And unfortunately, not too long after this was published, his house was broken into and his cocoa, his discs, everything was stolen. So he lost it. He doesn't have the games anymore. He doesn't have a source code or anything else. And uh, this is a public appeal that if anybody had bought this back in the day, and I'll just zoom up the review here, first page. Um, if anybody has these please submit them to the Color Computer Archive and, and also mention them to Christopher himself on Facebook cuz we'd like to get that you know back up to him first of all and also to make it publicly available. Um, this would have been you know in, in the late Coco's life. I mean this is when Rainbow was starting to shrink pretty drastically already just a few years before they ended up you know shutting down but uh, and then this is around the time the Coco was already discontinued at Radio Shack or right right at this time. So this would have been a bit rare to get purchased at this point because the coca community already shrunk it. Or it but um, I'm really hoping that somebody has these out there to to give it, give it back to him so we can, the original author can get the software back. Something I know, Nick, you were trying to do with one of your tier City Model 1 games because you have all your notes from it, but you didn't have the game anymore either. Yeah. And, you know, not too many people probably bought it back in the day either, so it's a tough one to track down. So I'm hoping we'll have some luck here.
2: But well, this is a whole series of games, like two different yeah, volume each, one games. Yeah,
1: two packs, and each one had multiple games. That's, that's ambitious.
2: Yeah. Okay. No,
1: I'd like to see It kind of like games. breaks them all out there. I, I think they were all basic ones. I don't think there was any semi language stuff in there, but um, each, each volume has two games. So there's Laser Blitz and Kung Fu Fighter in volume one, and Pengi in Polar Land and Pyramid Pete in volume two. So there's four games here to try to get recovered. So if anybody out there has happens to have these, uh, you know, please contact both Christopher on Facebook. Contact us, and I'll uh, and still put them on the Color Computer archive. Wow. That
2: would be cool. The arcade Next up, game now, Joust.
1: I, yeah, so this is Neb6, Nebula6 on YouTube. Now, I'm not sure who this is, but he's somebody that obviously knows his Cocoa stuff pretty well, so maybe somebody known in the community. I just don't know who the real name is. But he did an arcade gameplay recording on real hardware playing Joust. Now, since we've seen Joust already multiple times, I won't we'll play it here. Uh, but if anybody knows who he is, you know, make sure he's on Discord. Like he might be one on the panel for all I know. Uh, cool. Next up, we got some dragon gameplay here. So this is a play of a jet, jet boot, Colin, by John Martin. As you can see on the screen there. Uh, by LRU's Outrageous Gaming Project. Now, we've had them on the show before because he does a lot of gameplay videos, and he actually did multiple Dragon stuff this last week. Not all gaming-related, actually. So let's pick when he plays, Jetwood Column, which I, we've shown this before on the screen as well. So this is only one of the videos. So this is skill level one, screen four, and he actually released, I think, four or five where he's playing, like, different levels at different skill levels on different screens, et cetera, so you can kind of get playthroughs for each, and he gives some of you his know, scores for each, too. I don't know if he's trying to get, like, best playthroughs or whatever, but uh, this is just one of the videos. He's got multiple ones on here.
2: me turn down the volume, just a hair Okay. Yeah. This looks very much like an AGD type game. <laughs> no, this is pre-AGD. Yeah, okay, so you kind of have to catch the bomb as it's Picking down before it, before it explodes. Yeah, without getting hit. Yeah. Yeah. You have to dodge the uh, hovering hamburgers, I think. I think they're supposed to be saucers. But or UFOs, yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe I'm just getting hungry. They look I think like, you're hungry, they Steve. They look like sandwiches, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, like I said, he plays through multiple levels. There's some different screen modes. Like There's cool. one that has a yellow background and stuff, too. So he has multiple videos. You go to his page. Um. And then he did another one here. Dragon. Or this is the Laird's Lair sorry, this is a different one. So this one here is doing a comparison of Jeff Minter's Grid Runner, showing versions on all four of these computers here. And we've shown some of his style videos before. <clears throat> so he basically has all four screens going simultaneously in this grid pattern, and then uh-huh. he actually activates the sound on each one with the speaker a icon.
2: Right, so right. you
1: can kind of hear what they, the different things sound like. here. So
2: That's a neat idea. I like that format. Oh, a nice semi like you can see, the screen intro there.
1: screens are quite different between them.
2: Yes, Atari eight bit with its pulsy, flashy palette effect there. Commodore sixty four. No SID chip yet. Nope. <laughs> Grid runner. Yeah, there's no sound on the title screens for any of these things. That's fine.
1: It's kind of funny because the Spectrum of the Dragon actually did a proper like a title screen. And there's not much on the other two at all. Like, there's not really a title screen, per se. It's just more like instructions. So that was a bit of a different take on it. And they tried to do that kind of, like, shiny look on the Dragon Witch. I thought was kind of cool.
2: Okay. Obviously, the Atari is going to be one of the better-sounding ones. With its pokey chip. Yeah. This looks like Nick Maranty's game a little bit with the grids. (laughs) Metroid. (laughs) Metroid.
1: Yeah, I I remember I tried playing this a long time ago. I'm trying to remember. Do you steer both the left and the right ship by moving the joystick left, right for the bottom and up, down for the
2: The grid runner, huh? Yeah. Yeah, the Atari one sounds good. Give it that. Yeah. Of course it does. (laughs) Commodore 64. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And here we go. There we go. Kind of expecting that to happen. How doers get more done? Hopefully, we're going to. You can get build some... yourself your own desk from Home Depot for the Coco. Right. There we go. I linked it in.
2: Jamaica,
1: and you can go play in Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one, I have to say, the Atari actually sounds better to me than the C64.
2: Yeah. Though. C64 is not doing much with sound here. Now this basic... might be
1: early enough because the C64 didn't get released. To what mid-82? it almost mid-82. looks like it's
2: centipedes in a grid. You know, it's got these things moving back and I forth. Know.
1: Now it's made by famous game author Jeff Minter. We did a ton of you know, classic games back in, okay. the, in that time period.
2: Let's find the dragon if I don't get commercial in a minute. Okay, then now you're on dragon. Prepare to be blown away with audio.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alright, another
5: commercial. Reveal your freedom Yeah, YouTube. <laughs> and they're freaking <laughs> Canadian noticed.
2: commercials too.
5: The yeah. time that okay. you skip over still counts as, as view time. time, right? Yeah, uh,
2: used
6: yeah
5: it's to be annoying. time for a commercial.
2: All right. A little bit more simplistic pew, as you pew. can go. Pew. Oh, that's a nice ex- little... You know what sound effect on a Coke I really loved was that splashing sound from Candy Company. When you kind of like... Plew. Yeah. That was a cool sound.
1: It's also lower res than the other three you can tell here, too. Like, they went for 128. Uh, right.
2: Yeah, so the the Speccy looks good. At least the the amount of color the Speccy has looks good.
1: Yeah, on the Speccy, it actually works quite well because the the Speccy has that kind of, it's a Coco P-Mode 4 screen that Uh, you literally do the exact same on-off pixels. And then every 8x8 chunk, you can set a foreground and background color individually for each, which is why you get that color bleed when you're moving stuff across. But because these actually stay within those 8x8 patterns. They're 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 in in the byte
2: boundaries, yeah.
1: Anyway, right. I, I, I like that style of video where yeah. it actually does comparisons and then turns the sound on and off reach. You can yeah. kind of tell what it
2: sound's like, too. So. Yeah, that is cool. That is cool. It's neat to see uh, neat to see uh, something in the family. <laughs> David Greger says, "Coco Talks commercials are so much better than YouTube's.
1: <laughs> Darn straight. I agree.
2: <laughs> All right. Dragon 32. C-dab- 3D Sidab Attack.
1: Baddies spelled backwards. We've featured this one before. Now, this is uh, from a YouTube channel called TGP High Score Runs, which I've not seen before. And uh, I'm not sure how well. I mean, he only scored 620 points. I'm not sure if that's great for scoring this because I don't play it often enough. But okay. uh,
2: That's really good music there. All uh, right.
7: Ooh.
12: One of my favorite Commodore 64 game companies.
2: Now that's an interesting thing, though, where they're showing the uh, joystick moving with the game on the side mm-hmm.
1: there. Yeah, here's your c C2 3 d buildings lit up at night, I think.
2: Man, the speed of this thing is just astounding. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> now we're panning. Okay, so a little bit of Battlezone-ish type thing. And you get a fire. Oh, I like that. That explosion was cool. I like the fact that you've got things flying in the air. It's ambitious, but it's just the clip is a little slow on it. But um, I like what it's doing. Uh, It's got a radar. Yeah. Visually, it's very nice.
1: Now, Mr. Alan Murphy here. You said you played this before, right? From the C sixty four is it is it this slow in the C sixty four or is it faster? No, this is a game company that did a lot of C sixty
12: four games as well, and they tended to be. fairly interesting something new about
2: the, each one they put out the ship's kind of like doing air dives and stuff too. your enemies so they're kind of animated as they kind of come down swoop down and then you come at you
1: yeah it, you're, you're right it is ambitious it's kind of 3D like those look like skyscrapers yeah. lit up at night type thing yeah. and they're panning in and out of them and then your shot has to go off in
2: the distance you have to shoot them when they're at the right range and yeah I'm sure that even on, you know, I'm sure that there's some optimization tips and tricks that could make this faster using some of the knowledge we have today. Um, But yeah, it's really cool. Even in black and white, it looks good. It it looks like this this game looks better in black and white, I think, than trying to throw artifacts in here.
1: Oh, yeah, the, the, the buildings in particular, I think like the little slit up skyscrapers, that really looks well done in this. Yeah.
2: Oh, Davy Mitchell um, says they do look like Cylon Raiders a little bit. Yeah, when they're coming at you head on, they definitely do look like the original Cylon yeah, Raiders. The original 1979. For those who into the BSG, you know, you know how that is.
6: For us, old enough to remember the original yeah. TV series. Now,
2: just uh, just for a chronological thing, BSG came many years after TOS, FYI. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> acronym soup. Uh, very cool. He's even got
1: the original Dragon artwork you can see, like, by, well, I, I guess yeah. that was probably the same between them all, but the specific Dragon 32 packaging for Absolutely.
2: I, li- I like the whole animated joystick that's going on while the game is playing stuff. So that's neat. I'm not sure how they integrate that. I'm assuming through an emulator of some yeah, sort, but yeah, I'm not possibly, sure but that's cool. That's super cool. But
1: yeah. this is one, yeah, maybe that's one of the ones like I've been thinking when I get some free time again is that I'll start trying to do a couple more optimization.
2: Game yeah, patches. this would be interesting to get, you get this thing even at like 20 frames per second. It would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So I'll see if maybe there's some nine optimization code I can do. If not, maybe some 6309 just to kick it up a notch or two.
2: Yeah. So somebody remind me when I actually have time because I yeah, don't. Know hey when Curtis, ready. when you get some time, don't forget to do that. All right. <laughs> all right. So uh, you've been you've been reminded. It. All right. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm been slacking with all these interviews. <laughs> and me- that is the end of the game on portion of the news. Woo-hoo! All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, Polly Fiscarilla, you still out there? I I saw you had your kids on earlier. muted, T- Paul. Yeah. yeah. Say, yeah, say, there. say hi to uh, Win Deck for me. Uh, tell him I, I will. said hi. If that, as, I don't know if they remember when we played Minecraft together, all those oh, years. Oh, they certainly ago. remember. Oh yeah. Every Is time
11: that, they hear your voice, they uh, come running to see ah, uh, you playing so Minecraft.
2: Tell them I say hi. I will. And then uh, it was cool to see them on the high scores too. How they came in, they were all excited to see and yeah. hear their names. Yeah. Right, that's so cool.
11: For sure.
15: Yeah. Also,
1: thank you for Simon Jonsson for stopping by. He mentioned in the private chat here that uh, he's got some visitors, so he had to leave. But. It was nice to have him, both him and Paul here, the authors of our game challenge. Yeah.
2: Cool. All right. So do we want to just keep it rolling? We're going to go straight into, like, news news? Yeah, I was just going to check to see if um, Brian Weasler had popped by because he was talking about doing some
1: uh, project updates and acquisitions here, but he's not here yet if he's going to be able to make it. So, yeah, we'll go on to the news.
2: All right, so get ready to share your screen. I'll do your intro and then get your screen share ready.
3: From around the world what you need to know.
14: Get caught up on news from El Curtis Boyle.
7: And now a Muppet News Flash.
2: All right, El Curtis Boyle. There's yeah, I saw this. Think. I saw this. This looks cool. I'd like to see it in person at Coco Fest. The uh, the Coco Three shell for the Pi Four Hundred.
1: Yep. so this is designed by uh, John Strong. Of course, he does a lot of 3D printing stuff here. And uh, the Pi 400, of course, is the one that comes with a built-in keyboard, et cetera. So he's actually got a, a Sudo code with three case. And it even has a label here for the 2048K calculator 3, which I believe was courtesy of Cloud9. And then he's got two side panels, which are optional extra. You can get it without that, because uh, that does cost, I think it's an extra $5 per panel, uh, which I then once you have your ports, you know, kind of squared away. Now, I will mention uh, our interview subject for October 30th, Mark Siegel, is also designing a 3D print done a little bit differently for the Pi 400 as well. So I don't know if he'll talk about that on the show or not. But he he sent me mention of it. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. He did send me a link to take a look at his current design. Don't let
2: me forget to run that promo. I do have that promo queued up. Thank you for – actually, can I run it now? Sure. All right. So uh, before I forget. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to run a promo because Curtis mentioned that. Um, So just so you guys know, Mark Siegel, who was the product project manager for the color computer um, is going to be our guest on October 30th. So let's run that spot right now. Uh, You guys stop sharing or uh, yeah, stop sharing so I can share mine for one second. Sorry about that, Curtis. I just, if I don't do it, I'll forget. So, all right. So here, let's watch this.
5: Hi, I'm Mark Siegel, uh, product manager for the color computer uh, at Tandy, uh, amongst other things. Uh, I've got some information on the Coco 3 and the Coco game machine that never happened, and several other things that you might find interesting.
2: All right, so there we go. Oh, wait, wait, I didn't finish it, though. This is what... Gosh, darn it. One more time.
5: Hi, I'm Mark Siegel, uh, product manager for the Color Computer uh, at Tandy, uh, among other things. Uh, I've got some information on the Coco 3 and the Coco Game Machine that never happened and several other things that you might find interesting. And you can catch me on Cocoa Talk on October
2: 30th. There you go. There we go. And you, <laughs> may, you may share screen again. So on October 30th, there you have it. My- Mark Siegel will be on our show. And, yeah, there's yeah. going
1: to be a lot of stuff to talk about because he was very heavily involved with like the deluxe color computer, So We'll get some of the background history behind that. The Coco games machine,
2: the Coco three, and the gimme, um, and uh, all kinds.
1: Yeah, of stuff. Or Yeah, or even the original design for the Coco three, which was pre-gimme, and you know all kinds of stuff. So there's and when, a lot of insider baseball will be happening there. When he says
4: games machine, is that there was a, a dedicated machine that was yes. like a? No kidding!
1: Wow. Well, yeah, i so go through the history of that. Like they, Tandy was, well, I won't tell too much. Stevie and I yeah. know a little bit about it, but. Uh,
2: I know nothing. That's definitely <laughs>
4: worth watching. I can't wait for that.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of cool stuff I didn't know in there. And also clarification on certain things I did know, but wasn't positive on. So, because we've been going back and forth, you know, with a couple of sample questions and stuff to, to get things started there. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. That's going to be a long show just to warn you guys. I'm pretty sure. He said he's, uh, because he's retired now, he actually has time to stick around. So this could be like two to three hours of just interview for, with him on that
2: particular show. So yeah, so maybe get your popcorn, keep,
1: get your catheters ready. Yeah, maybe you'll be keep ready the sure. uh,
2: keep the news to a light news week. That there,
1: week. I, well, if it goes long enough, there won't be any news. I'll yeah. skip it till the next week. Which is one of the reasons we're doing this alternate thing, where we have an interview and then a regular show, and then an interview, and then a regular show, so that we, if we have a longer interview, we don't have to try to cram and make a six-hour show out of it. We can just save the news and do the news the next well, week. Well, tell that to the people no who interview.
2: are streaming when I'm not here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's all the time now, so it doesn't really matter.
2: <laughs> no, the good thing about the show is it runs as long as it needs to run, you know? So that's cool. Yeah,
1: and that's the same with um, in the interviews. I mean, as long as it needs to go. So,
2: so, so the, um, yeah, so this this is an augmentation to the Pi 400, which has a working keyboard. And now, previously, I showed off something that Sloopy had sent me where he sent me a 3D printed case of a Coco where you put a PI um, 4 in that case, but obviously that keyboard's not a working keyboard. This one gives you the whole PI 400 with its working keyboard, and it looks very much kinda like a Coco. Matter of fact, I'm not sure if it's close to scale, but the, um, it looks pretty damn cool, I have to give it that.
1: I mean, th- um, this gives you the scale here. Like, you actually have a Pi Four Hundred rates right, so TV. You know what size the keyboard physically yeah, is. Yeah. So I, you can tell me what the scale is because I honestly don't have one. I haven't seen one in person. Yeah, somewhere. I
2: don't know how far I can lift mine up right now without unplugging it because all the plugs are in the rear, which is what she said. But is but, it is um, it
1: is it narrower uh, than a Coco Three case keyboard uh, by a fair bit, or is no, it? I don't have
2: a Cocoa, I don't have a Coco in the same room as me. No. Is it a uh,
1: full size enough keyboard to
4: type it's,
2: normally? It's, on? Yeah, you can type normally. Um, it's probably a little bit more compact than the Coco keyboard because it had a little bit more breathing space between keys, you know. So this is real uh, optimized on space, you know, the the distance between keys. So okay. I'd say it's probably a little bit smaller, but it's it's easy to type on. It doesn't feel like carpal tunnel when you type on this keyboard. It's not a cramped, you know, keyboard. It, it's very very comfortable. So, okay. Yeah, it looks good, and and the and the color of plastic seems to match pretty well, and. Um, as as well as the kind of texture because, you know the cocoa it was somewhat textured.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of a texture to it. It's yeah. not
2: just smooth like the old cocoa ones were. yeah. No, so that's cool. I think he had mentioned <laughs> in one of the comments that the pi- the price for this was fifty dollars, but I don't know if that includes It's fifty
1: dollars ba- for the main case and then those two back panels. Okay.
2: That cover the ports is five dollars each. No, does that and he is taking the, orders now, I think. Does that include the additional cables? Because you need a bunch of um, a male to female extension stuff to, to flush up I with I don't course.
1: think it does. I think the cables you have to find your own okay. are not
2: positive. That's neat. That's neat. I like it. I'm, and and just, just for me, like right now, my Pi 400, uh, what I do like about it is it's so compact it fits underneath a little tiny uh, two shelf thingy I have here. So to add that would not fit in my current space that I'm I'm doing it in. Yeah. But but I that think that label cool. too is extra. You have to order that. From yeah, yeah, that's just the normal Coco badge, right? It's not. That's not a custom badge for this unit, right? It's a standard Coco badge. Well, two as far as a two meg, uh, one is standard because that's not tangible. Well, standard. but I mean, this that's is big. this isn't these. This is a standard size badge, right? So yes, because there's yeah. plenty of Coco badges on the market right now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, now that is what so it's got cool. the
4: impression for the badge to sit in. Yes, it, it looks like it does. Yes.
5: Yeah. So Rocky points out. Go ahead. That gives you the size of the device because of the badge, right? You can use that. So it's narrower
1: than a cocoa Three, by the good. Yeah, definitely not as deep. It definitely looks good. Which is ironic, as you can see here, like half of it's empty. <laughs> yeah.
5: So yeah. that must be as wide as his printer will go. So he had to make it narrower than a cocoa Three. Right. Even though it has the weird short bezels on the side.
4: Well, I think the keyboard. Uh, uh, you know, defined the specification for it. because it's Well, no,
5: it's actually narrower than a Cocoa 3.
4: If right, you but can I'm go talking by about the, the Raspberry
5: the Pi, Raspberry Pi is probably well, well, right, but if you look on the top, you'll see he's made the case narrower than it has to be. I mean, it could be wider. It could look exactly like a Cocoa 3, except I bet it's oh, printed doesn't go that saying. wide.
4: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah, and that's a so pretty large So he gave large large up the bezel anyway, space,
1: so. yeah.
2: <laughs> right. No, but it looks cool. I like it. Um, yeah, so the base yeah. case is
1: $50. The two back pounds are $5 each. And, uh, and the label, I can't remember what Cloud9
4: charges. I bet it takes a, a minute
2: on. to print, man. This will be available <laughs> right? at, at Coco Fest this year. Yeah. Should so. be.
1: And like I said, he's, it sounds like he's taking orders already.
2: So if you want to order one, if you can't make the Fest or you want to not wait that yeah. long. I like it. Good job, John Strong.
7: He said it takes 15 hours to print.
2: And uh, Jim wow. Brain is also wow. saying he made it narrower to save money, right? Because less material, less time. Oh, right, yeah. yeah less so, print time, yeah. Yeah. It's cool, though. It's definitely a neat thing to add. If you've got a Pi 400 and you want it to look like a cocoa, this is this is your solution right here.
1: Yeah. I just out of curiosity, has anybody on the panel ordered one of these? Because this was announced earlier in the week. Actually, just after the show I not, And
2: I'm typically... I like to order just about any product on the market just to support everybody, but... I, I'm. I don't have room for it. So it's like I, you know, I ordered. Uh, I ordered all kinds of cases for the MC32X and all these things that I didn't even open for like a year and a half. <laughs> you know, things like that. But this is a big old. It's, it's relatively big for my, con, you know, my confined space right now. So I don't know yeah. that it would, but I might change my mind. I might have an impulse buy a Cocoa Fest once I see it. Yeah. So, oh,
1: yeah. so Jim Brain uh, mentions he's working on a full size Cocoa case, but the cost
2: is going to be a bit more. Oh, ah, interesting.
1: Wow. So it sounds like his printer is big enough to handle it. if He just, you know, reduced it down to the size of the pie or keyboard.
2: Yeah, neat. I like it. I like it.
1: So between that and, and Pedro's, you know, Cocoa 3 replacement motherboards and stuff, we could actually, we're getting to the point now with the Gimme X, et cetera, that we can actually make a full Cocoa 3 from scratch using new stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So, this next one here is from James Diffendaffer, of course, is uh, going to be on the uh, MC10. Well, he's going to be doing a pre record because his, his internet live connection is not that good. And I, for some reason, I thought uh, Zoom supported handling landline calls. And apparently,
2: it, it doesn't does really. uh, they, for audio only. I mean, there is a dial okay. in number.
1: Oh, there is? OK. Because I took a look for it and it was kind of saying there wasn't really. No, there is. I can look it up. I can look it up okay. on the website. So there's, there's definitely... He's going to do a video pre record. Okay. Showing some of the basic ROM optimizations done, especially for math, routines, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then I would suggest you could at least be in the chat to answer questions. But if yeah, if, if you can give me and James the details on Discord as to how to set up the landline, he can try calling you just on a regular cell phone. Yeah. And yeah. maybe able to answer the questions that way. So this is uh, rotating a 3D image in BASIC. Um, and it's based on the old Utah Teapot 3D model from 1975. So this is you know from a model done five years before the Calco even came out. There's a whole bunch of preloading now. I'm expecting another stupid commercial to show up at some point here. But I'm a little
5: teapot short.
1: Now the one start. on the left started before the one on the right because he was clicking. You know, because these he, are running simultaneously on his PC and an emulator.
15: Mm.
1: But you can eventually, or, or yeah, sorry, the, um, you can eventually see how far out of sync they start getting. Like the one on the right is past it now. And is rendering faster, so the math routines in here are. I can't remember, oh, is it is
2: it like rotating on a an a angle a degree each time and then redrawing? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: And it's a fairly complicated model for an eight bit machine to.
2: Uh, jam rotating out here, so. one one, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's completed. Now it's calculating the next rotation on the optimized version. And yeah, now, okay, nice. And now it's that. just starting to do that. In the left one, the left one started several seconds before the one on the right. So it's. How is he
2: getting that font like that? Is that a P-Mode 4 thing? Because that's, uh...
1: I was getting that yellow high-res font
2: on the screen might, like that.
1: This might be um, a Cocoa 3 mode, actually. Ah, okay. Yeah. that
2: so yeah. When, as soon as I heard, yeah. I, I just assumed this was an MC-10 thing.
1: Yeah. Hey, no, funny. No, but he's done some of the same optimizations on the MC-10, yeah. basic, because of the like, okay. hardware multiply, etc. So there's... Uh, like he mentioned, like certain specific routines are running like thirty, forty
2: percent faster now. Right. No, that's definitely interesting. I love I love the side by side stuff, like the ease of use so and he, things and things.
4: Did he do this in machine language, and then?
2: Well, or does he, he just... patch
1: the basic ROMs in, in machine language, and oh, now just... he's running the faster version of BASIC that he's optimized on the right? Okay. Cool. So that he, cool. He's been really concentrating on getting into math routines because the Microsoft the way they did their basics for the various machines is they came up with a basic core for for every CPU. And then they just run it through a quick translator which means it's not always optimized for the destination chip you know going between a 6502 or a z80 or a 6809 or whatever so you basically got the lowest common denominator it's based. z80 curtis <clears throat>
2: well no I'm, I'm trying to it's it to z80 okay,
1: it's
2: z80. <laughs> okay no, that's cool good job james
1: okay next up here is sheldon mcdonald of course we've had on as a guest we've had him on showing we showed last week i believe some of that you know sort of 3d yeah he's he's making
2: good progress on that
1: so what he's done now is because a lot of people have been asking like we've seen a lot of his videos and we've seen demonstrate stuff live on the show and people ask where do i get all this stuff so he's actually set up a separate web page now for downloading all of his things which he announced on facebook here literally right when the show was kind of on the air just i think we're still on the air actually are we still So this there? is what he's got currently on there. So he's got some Windows downloads for his MIDI Pro, his Aristos tool, which we've mentioned before that he's shown you where you can edit disk images, but you can also edit the files within the disk images and take look with the disassembly of these files on the disk images, et cetera.
15: <laughs> <clears throat>
1: and then he's got actual separate stuff for the Coco itself, um, including the PSG loader, which we've showed off before, where it's actually a graphical interface with little icons for each of the games on your Cocoa PSG uh, Flash ROM that you can just double-click with your mouse or click with your mouse and launch or your joystick and launch right from the thing. So he's actually got those ready for download on here, and he'll be adding to this as he gets more of his projects done. So if you want a nice central place, bookmark this page here, and you'll be able to go yeah. in and, and grab his Cocoa Stuff. Which,
2: soon. I'm just going to give you a little teaser. He did tell me, because when he was on the show a, a while back, he said he was going to send me the um Treasure Island Defense. He was going to send me one of the cartridges, and he, I just got a uh, message from him on Discord this week I think saying he's finally got around to getting it yep, sent out that's to that's right up
1: the top. TID is so, Treasure Island Defense. Um,
2: so hopefully in the near future I'll have a uh, update and acquisition to show off when I get my physical cartridge. With uh, I'm, I'm actually curious to hear what the PSG sounds like because I've never heard the real hardware with my own ears. So I'll have one. Yeah, and he, and,
1: <clears throat> he's got versions for both of the main yeah, sound. He's got yeah. the
2: GMC one and he's got the PSG one. Yeah, no, that's cool.
1: Yeah, and if you guys want the non-hardware accelerator, I believe this uh, Treasure Island Defense game oh, here is the free download. actually that, that just makes the me realize one.
2: His, the one he's sending me does not include the PSG sound chip, right? He didn't put the chip on the cartridge, did he?
1: Yeah, well, the PSG, isn't that, uh, I'm trying to remember that's Ed Snyder's, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Which yeah has that, means that, that means I won't be
2: able to hear it because I don't have, <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking it had the PSG on the cartridge. I would need to get one of those and uh, an MPI at that point. Uh. Yeah so
1: anyway the, the version that is just for the plain coco and doesn't require anything you know sound wise um is now a free download on this on his site here so you guys can actually cool. try the game out and he's of course he's got the coco vga version it's one of the two you know 16 color coco vga games we've got out now as well as uh, paul shoemaker's uh, poker, poker squares squares yeah so it, it's good to see that there's actually a fair bit of support for the uh, the coco vga as well absolutely uh, and unfortunately, the Coco VJ is kind of getting backordered just like the Gimme X is backordered, just like, you know, because everybody's having hardware issues mm-hmm. trying to get stuff.
2: A talented man, that Sheldon McDonald.
1: Yep. Fellow Canuck, of course. Okay, we got an update here from John Whitworth um, from Dragon Plus Electronics. Um, so he's added some new zip files for the Super Sprite FM Plus support based on Pear's color graphics bar demo. And his full compilation toolkit. So, for the developers out there, this will give you some stuff to test the board because you can order it in kit form. I know Brian Weasler's gotten that. I know Neil Blanchard's gotten that too. Um, there's probably a few others here in North America, plus a bunch in the UK for the Dragons. Of course, it works on Dragons or on Cocos. Should work on the Coco 3, though. I don't know if anybody's actually tried that yet. So, I'd love to see reports in the field once you know, Brian or, or Neil get the chance to try it. Um, but you can go get, <coughs> excuse me, from his own special SexX 6XL- out. 6X09 Super Sprite FM Plus Facebook group, which is a separate group specifically for this board. You can download the utilities and, and test programs for it. And what the heck is this? Unopened. Is
2: that an offline dating profile? No. No, it was uh, my
1: cousin. I don't know what the heck that showed up. Okay. Well,
2: send me her link. If she's got an offline dating profile, maybe I should <laughs> hit her up. Uh, so.
1: Next up, Tim Linder just uh, started doing this too. So there's a whole, as we mentioned before, with, you know, um, Paul Fiscarelli here on the call and uh, Sheldon McDonald, and a bunch of others have made various utilities for access and cassette and disk images. And it's starting to get hard to keep track of which ones are out. What special features do they support? What formats do they support? So Tim has actually started collecting all this into a Google doc to show what else, and he wants people to contribute to this. So if you guys have any further details, either because it's your own project that he's mentioning, or you just know about some of these details, he wants to get this up to date as much as possible. So as of earlier this morning, uh, here he goes into some of them with links to where the projects actually are, but here like DECB, which is part of tool shed, and that does headerless disk sector dumps. doesn't have a GUI. CECB you know, goes through the various tool shed utilities, and then he goes through image till it comes with main, and then the RSDOS tool, and then Dragon DOS tool, which handles you know JVC and disk, and you know it mentions like the different formats they support, stuff specifically for the Dragon, 60s cassette ones for doing raw stuff, as well as uh, you know cast and WAV files, etc. So anybody who's been doing these utilities, if you can go, and this is a public link that he's put up on Facebook, that you can just go into the Google Doc and add in your own stuff. So oh, I'm, I'm hoping that everybody's been involved with these, like Sheldon and Paul and stuff, actually. And he's got to add some extra things, too, because some of them are much more than just manipulating the direct files on there. Some of them actually let you, like, you know, disassemble on the fly or list the basic programs on the fly, et cetera, too. So I think that should be mentioned on this doc as well. And some of this uh, actually came up because there are some pre-built disk images on the Color Computer Archive that only work with specific emulators. Um, I can't remember the guy's name offhand, but on Discord, he was having tremendous problems trying to get some of the 9 stuff to run. It wouldn't even mount the disks properly in, say, main. Or that was Ed it. Rhodes. Ed Rhodes, yeah. And I've hit that before myself. I have to find a certain utility to be able to read these because some of them read proper headers for certain formats and some don't. And it's a kind of a crapshoot. So this will be very useful. we have them track down what do you need to do. With it, And then we need to actually get some sort of a standard going so this works with everything. Because having something that only works in VCC and doesn't work in MAME or doesn't work on the online emulator, that's just silly. We need to standardize and get something that works on everything, I think.
2: Hey, real quick, Curtis, because Fabian uh, Rodriguez is out there. He's the one who's also been working on Cocopedia. Have we we reached out to him to get him on? Because I'd love to get this guy on. Um,
1: I have not reached out to get him on, but Fabian contacted us uh, to come on. But we have covered his his stuff before.
2: uh, Uh, Because he's
1: been actually working on the wiki pretty actively lately.
2: So, he um, just
4: posted in the, in the chat um, a link to some of the research he's done on emulators.
2: Yeah, Fabian, if you want to join us, reach out to us on the uh, Coco Discord so we can get you the invite to come on Zoom. Love to have you just be on the panel, yeah. even if it's And I think he's dinner. in Canada, too. Isn't he in Quebec? Well, we won't hold that against him. Um, well, no, that's a plus. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: <laughs> where <laughs> all the good development's happening
10: you here right, in Australia. Keep all that Canadian
2: content up. <laughs> that's right. Cool. Fabian, love to have you on.
1: Okay, next up after that, and because uh, the author is here, I think I'll let him describe this.
2: Mr. Paul Fiscerelli. Pauly Walnuts. Yeah, I'm still here. Hey, Pauly, by the way, I forgot to send you my expenses from uh, VCF Midwest. I brought everybody around at Fire & Wine, so I'll make sure I get those receipts out to you. Oh, yeah, get that
11: right over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running out of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to show the uh, the, the clip there real quick, Curtis, basically, <clears throat> just this past week, started putting together this little uh, utility to, yeah, I that's got the weird. same thing for that. I'm not sure why that's doing that, but um, you can't make it full screen for some reason. Yeah. I don't know, it's okay. a Facebook thing. Um, yeah, maybe one of the other ones works. So no, basically I tried, I tried just, those
1: earlier, and that's the same thing, so.
11: Okay. So basically what it is it's this little uh, utility that um, attempts to detect what hardware you're running uh, in your cocoa um, working with uh, cocoa one two and three and uh, does things as, such as uh, ROM version uh, which CPU you're running how much RAM you've got um, detecting which uh, version of the gimme or VDG you've got um, and uh, that's cool. The one thing that kind of flew over the radar, and what was kind of the impetus behind doing this, um, it detects uh, emulation, and more specifically, which emulator you're actually running. How do you do that? Yeah, exactly, Stevie. So (laughs) nobody, nobody nobody really seemed to pick up on it. I thought it was, you know, something that everybody would be calling me out on. But uh, there was some discussion because they were trying to say, like, were you detecting a modified ROM or? Yeah, no, that's not it. So actually what happened was uh, after uh, 43 years, I uh, finally discovered an undocumented uh, register in the 6809 called the BS register. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the, lower, the lower nibble uh, four bits are uh, used for emulator detection. Emulator detection. Uh-huh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I no, uh, but- serious. <clears throat> seriously though um i was given it some thought and it all kind of stemmed from whether or not i could detect emulators or not and uh, come to find out um with a little bit of uh code um and some timing uh you can actually there's enough uh uniqueness between uh disk timings and the emulators uh-huh. um and physical coco hardware uh that um there's uh you, if you read enough tracks, enough sectors, you can actually discern which uh, emulator it's running. If it's emulation mode, which emulator it's running, um, and uh, you know the different versions and whatnot. So, so far, I've got it uh, working with you know it's detecting Coco SDC emulation, uh, XRoar, uh, VCC, um, Mame, uh, as well as like you know some of the online ones, the Mocha and the XRoar. Um, and then and actually, also. can differentiate every single one of those. So there's enough uh, timing signature difference between those uh, discs. Uh, you realize
10: you just threw the gauntlet down
2: now. Right. Yeah. So now people are going to start screwing with their disc timing to throw yeah, you off. So, you know, um, so. yeah, it's
11: <laughs> I, I just started it on Tuesday night, just, you know, kicking the tires on it. Yeah. And I threw something up uh, last That's cool. night. That's
2: cool. That's cool. Just
11: as a teaser. Uh, I beer. think Ron's <laughs> already found some edge cases that uh, need some work, but obviously there's so many different combinations out there so to you know fine-tune this i'm going to need some input from the community to that is cool try to narrow in yeah. on. now if, if you anything, unthrottle you detect- it does it still work what's that if you unthrottle an emulator does it still work uh, i haven't tried that but in theory it should i mean because uh it's based on uh you know the di- the timings and the timing's gonna you know speed up uh at the same rate that, yeah exactly anything
4: you can you can determine you know physical hardware versus emulation
11: so scroll down a little bit uh there curtis and uh that one there see if you can play the uh that one if that works not working okay (laughs) so that's where it's actually detecting um oh that's the online emulators uh maybe scroll up a little bit three more comments yeah that one there
2: here it is running that one should go full screen Oh, okay. It works full screen, yeah, sometimes full screen. on Facebook it doesn't. It's full screen, yeah. All right, so we see ROM version, Color Basic, and- I'm just gonna switch it to high def here so you can read it. Okay, ID.bin. okay. Yeah, it's very clear on that monitor there. Okay, Color Basic 2.0, Extended Color Basic 2.0, SDC 1.6, Gimme X, CPU 6309, two megabytes, Emulation Cocoa SDC. So now, if he pulls out the Coco SDC and he's got the floppy controller, see how I'm doing this? I'm at, Matt, I'm narrating your video out there, uh, and he's got a floppy. Jo- Holy, look at that double wide floppy thing there! Holy mother of God, look at that thing! Um, obviously, this takes a little longer to load because it's not pulling up off the SD card. Coco ID. I see he's got the uh, the Joey switch. Box over there. Loading a little slower off a of real floppy, huh? Give me X emulation, real Coco three. Yep. Cool. I just pause
1: it because it's just about near the end. I'm yeah,
2: that's it. cool. <clears throat> so we saw we saw it on real hardware distinguishing from a floppy controller and a Coco SDC. Yep. That's, but that, that's, cool. that's
1: kind of. It shows one thing because I know one thing that, like in the MAME project in particular, one thing they've been trying to stress is that they want everything to be dead accurate hardware-wise, and obviously they aren't.
11: So um, far, MAME is the closest, actually. Um, so it's it's pretty close. XRoar is not too far behind either. So both XRoar and MAME are doing an outstanding job of emulating the real hardware. But there's enough of a uh, you know timing signature difference between the the three of them where you're able to detect. Currently able to detect. I mean, I'm sure um you know folks like karen and others are gonna take it to task to try to <laughs> yeah the, the
1: more accurate they make it the more your utility breaks Is what's yeah right. exactly so,
11: which, i love the me, uh
2: that, so. i love the floppy you did there with semi graphics so that is so cool man
11: yeah that's sg edit so yeah you know, k- uh, kudos to simon that's a great little tool yeah so, that is so cool man I, I just had like some you know the, initially i had some uh just random text uh, that was just being thrown up i'm like this looks like garbage i gotta come up with something that looks better. i <laughs> 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 just spent uh you know an hour in sg Edit and came up with that so
1: yeah and this is kind of a nice extension because you're actually covering like the cocoa one twos so i should ask are you also covering dragons on this
11: uh not yet but i mean by all means you know it's something i can explore i haven't really played around with dragons too much and uh you know we'd love to extend it to that so they can take advantage i do of it
1: know well. their, their disc handling is a little bit different than ours so you will have to write separate routines for that
11: yeah, I, um, I love the fact that uh, uh, Kieran's got the um, Dragon Online uh, emulators now where you can pick the Dragons, you know, so I can start kicking the tires there and, you know, seeing if it uh, works and what I need to change. Yeah. One thing I did want to mention, too, real quick, Curtis, is um, <clears throat> to keep them consistent because, um, obviously, when you're reading in a disk image, depending on where the, uh, the app is on the disk um, it's going to leave the track at that particular point. So what I basically do to keep it consistent is I move the uh, the uh, head back down to track zero. And then I uh, stroke it all the way back to uh, track 34. And then I work my way back down the disk from 34 to zero, um, reading a sector from each uh, track and uh, keeping the timing consistent. And it seems to work pretty well.
1: And you leave it at the standard 30 millisecond track to track or do you bump it up to yep. six or something? Okay. Nope,
11: it's standard. Okay.
1: Now, I do know, um, I'm trying to remember who was doing it. Was it Todd Wallace did one? He did a Cocoa 3 one where he was actually on an 80-column fancy screen, but he actually detected like Cocoa 3, which was in the Gimme X, to the okay. 639, 639 But he hadn't extended it down to the Cocoa 1 and 2, or is you, you're possibly adding the Dragon to too. So it may nice to have a universal one that works on them all.
11: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to partner up with Todd. I, I remember him doing something I couldn't remember the details on it. And, um, you know, this was like something quick and dirty that I just spun up the other night.
1: Yeah, which is kind of what
11: he did. <laughs> Anyway, cool. So, is this this available
1: for download on Facebook, or do you? Have uh, not yet. That?
11: Um, I've got actually Ron kicking the tires on it right now. He's kind of the perfect candidate uh, due to the amount of different combinations of hardware um, and setups that he's got, and he's already thrown back a couple things that it's not working with. So, um, after I spend a little bit more time with it, what I'll probably do is actually just throw it up on GitHub too, so people can you know take a look at you know what's happening behind the scenes and you know tweak it and do whatever they want with it.
1: And how much will it bust if somebody's done a custom ROM, like, you know, flashed different three amigos picture or something? Uh,
11: it doesn't really break it. It just basically comes back with unknown. And what I need to do is I was just telling Ron I need to uh, set up a test version of the software where it's actually showing the various signatures that it's coming up with that it's unable to detect. That yeah, way.
7: that just happened with uh, Paul Paul Barton's uh, machine. And the 8 megabyte didn't detect it either.
11: Yeah, I'm curious what that comes back with, Ron, uh, what it's actually showing for what I'm actually doing for the um, – uh, and this was done um, – it was actually – I adapted it from uh, uh, Richard uh, Goodekin's, uh source code. It's actually counting the amount of uh, available 8K blocks uh, in the system for, this, for the COCO3. Um, so right now it's detecting – it's got uh, settings in there for 8 meg, 2 meg, Uh, I think one meg, uh, 512, and one. Yeah, so you're
1: covering like all the disto upgrades, et cetera. Yeah, so
11: I'd be curious to see what it comes back with for uh, Paul's custom uh, 8 meg upgrade and others that um, are somewhat undocumented. Yeah, I I
15: thought
1: Paul's Nocam 3 8 meg upgrade was the one actually that the later 8 megs were based on. So I thought it would work the same. He also did custom 16 and 64 meg versions he had back in the day too. But
11: yeah, and that uh, is a long
1: time to initialize a 64 meg RAM drive, I gotta tell you.
11: Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, is um, I haven't done anything as far as with like the uh, FPGA variants, the MISTER or anything like that. So, curious to see what those produce.
1: Are you guys going to do? Uh, is there a way to detect a Cocoa VJ? There probably isn't, is there? Uh,
11: I don't know yet. Um, I don't have one myself. Ron was asking about that earlier. He's got one. So, I don't think, think there
2: that is. I think like Brendan Donahue has already said it's really indistinguishable because the hardware is above the Cocoa.
12: Yeah. yeah. It's kind of yeah. like yeah. stealing
2: the RAM and reinterpreting That's
12: exactly what he told me when I asked that yeah. very question my game was you know is there is there a trick and so far he didn't know of one and i haven't been able to think of one because you're basically only writing out to the vdg and it doesn't come back with, with any kind of acknowledgement so
11: yeah I'd, I'd be curious to look into that a little bit more i mean because theoretically you shouldn't be able to detect uh, the emulation that's above uh, the the Coco OS as well, so or what the Cocos mm. should be able to say. Yeah. There's, there's a question from Brian
1: Schubring too. Can it or will it be able to detect hard drive and what type? Uh
11: detect what? Hard,
13: a hard
1: drive. Like do you have uh, SCSI, do you have IDE? Do you have whatever?
11: Uh possibly. Uh you know, uh, maybe, you know, just doing through uh timing reads on those as well might have unique signatures I can uh, put together and detect.
1: Yeah, because something like HDB DOS or RGB DOS, if you're hooked up to a real yeah, hard drive, you be able to find out the virtual disks,
11: drive wire as well. I keep trying to cool scroll
2: down that. on this thing, can't get it to scroll down, Curse, uh, Curtis, oh there, oh, there, there now Sorry. my mouse wheel's working. Okay, so now, <laughs> oh now it's going back up. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> you're just drunk so, with power with your mouse. That's all. Yeah, that's anyway, it was with just TV.
11: you know something quick, you know, starting to put together, and we'll see what what comes of it. That yeah, is so cool. cool. I
1: mean, maybe talk to Brendan too. Like maybe there's some subtle thing. I do know that the frame refresh will get delayed when you write that special page for the Coco VGA. But that's what happens on the screen. I don't know if the hardware itself knows any of that. I think it's just the way the Coco VGA interprets the RAM because it knows where the VDG is pointing to in RAM and then and reinterprets like a P-Mode 4 to be a 128 by 96 by 16 color mode instead. And then, you know, displays based on the contents of the RAM, but the RAM would be the same whether you're in a yeah. P-Mode 4 or whatever. The Coco VGA <laughs>
12: skips a, a frame while it's doing the load, but yep. if you have your Coco plugged in and the vdg output itself going you'll actually see a trash frame show up on the vdg only side rather than the coco vga output so it's not really transparent to the vdg it's just covered up by the way the coco vga skips the frame while it's doing the load
5: so all you need is a display that only appears on the Coco VGA. So the people who are using it will see you've got a Coco VGA and no one else will, even though the program doesn't know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <clears throat> a Cocoa VGA is one of these things that it would be hard for you not to know you had it. <laughs> it it kind of had to put it in, right?
11: <laughs> <laughs> well, the same thing with the GIMME-X. The GIMME-X uh, right now, it's uh, detecting that based on uh, right. DMA rights. You know, yeah, where, uh, that's
1: how uh, Ed himself recommends. That's on my yeah. little detect program, and Nine so, does it too.
11: And it's, it's a little wonky. I need to fine-tune that, but it, it's kind of working, um, detecting right now, so...
1: Maybe what you have to do is have somebody hook up like a logicam little camera to the serial port bit banger on the CPU so it can monitor the screen and go, it's really crisp and clear you've got a Kogo VJ, or it's yeah. kind of muddy and ugly, then you've got just a plain old BSJ. <laughs> there you go.
5: <laughs> warranty label has been breached. Yes, <laughs> our a warranty label detector.
1: <laughs> 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 and next we need you to detect have you got an upgraded label on the top, like a 2048 yeah, right. K tandy label or a you know. <laughs>
4: badge detector
2: um, and also as as a, uh, has the computer been distorted detection too we need to know about that has this cocoa been distorted we need a distortion uh, detector so yeah. boom,
1: and then you have to detect Neil's you know big custom wooden case joystick yes so does
2: it doesn't have a gamester attached cool very cool that feature might feature.
12: actually be possible <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, I was going to be busy
1: doing this utility for the rest of his life right, what's next L. <laughs> Curtis Boyle <laughs> Next up is this interesting poll that Alan Huffman put up. He says, how do you Coco? Nice and simple question. And you're allowed to answer multiple times because a lot of people use multiple methods uh, ranging from, um, I'll just play the rest of them here, but um, you know, are you running with real hardware with modern add-ons like a Cocoa SDC, a Windows Coke emulator, 100% real 80s hardware, real floppy disks, etc., Raspberry Pi, FPGA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can see the voting range and they're obviously the real hardware with modern add-ons is by far the most popular more than two times higher than the next higher one which actually kind of surprised me i thought there'd be more
2: emulator users here real hardware okay it's funny US now DC. we have
11: an app that can tell you exactly how you oh, modern modern hardware
2: modern hardware okay these
1: well oh, no these,
11: real hardware with modern add-ons <clears throat> real hard like hardware a coco sdc
1: versus a physical floppy drive from the 80s right but Wait. even that ended up being in third. So that that kind of yeah, so me.
2: pure the purists are in the top 3. For sure. Although the second one is a Windows yeah. cocoa emulator, so. Yeah. Okay. So it seems obviously the majority is we're using a real cocoa with with modern distortions. So, yeah. Uh, cool. Very cool.
1: So anyway, any of you on the panel or watching the show that have not answered this and are on Facebook, please go. Because it's, it's kind of interesting to find out what the demographics are of the cocoa
2: community. Vote early, vote often. Uh, cool. The Chicago
1: way. And then, and then <laughs> Paul will detect all of that for you. So you don't yes. have to answer. <laughs> he'll write and a blog And he'll have a poll up pretty soon. <laughs> <clears throat> Robert Galt. Hey, okay, next up after that, uh, Robert Galt uploaded DW Print. This is for Basic, not for OS 9 or anything like that, the Facebook group, which you can download. And this will let you print through the DriveWire print feature in, I think it's, does DriveWire 3 have that or just DriveWire 4, I can't remember, and also, you know, Pi DriveWire. And basically it'll take it, so if you do print number negative two statements, et cetera, from Basic, you can get redirected through DriveWire and it'll save it on your PC as a text file, which then you can you know, import and do whatever the heck you want. So anybody who has use of outputting stuff from a basic program and saving it on your PC, you can do it through DriveWare now with the utility from Robert. Man, you can download cool. from the Facebook group. Now, I don't know, <clears throat> is Robert uploading these also to the Color Computer Archive? Because I do know there are some people that are not on Facebook and will never go on Facebook as long as they live. And having stuff restricted to just Facebook seems kind of silly to me. So I'm hoping if he's not uploading them to the Color Computer Archive, that somebody else will forward them on his behalf.
2: Okay. Cannot answer that question, but that's a good point, and hopefully.
1: This one was kind of cool. So this is um, Christopher English, and he's found issues of his old Color Computer Connection newsletter. You know, he did this in high school on his Coco 3 back in 1988, and shows the uh, first, you know, some pages from the first issue here. So it's a a newsletter for the Coco that he actually produced on his Coco on a Coco 3 using Home Publisher from Tandy slash Spectral Associates. Wow. The entire thing was done on the Coco. And uh, he actually published a few of the pages here where I'm hoping he scans the whole thing in and maybe other issues that he did back in the day too and, and puts them up in the archive.
2: Wow, so, nice table of contents there. wonder if I can get him to take over the Glenside newsletter. it would be great. And now a <laughs> word from the publisher. Wow, dude, this is nice. I have to tilt my head sideways, but um, that's really cool. I'm, I'm actually impressed that the Coco um Desktop publishing had that where you had the drop in picture and the wraparound text. Yeah, you can define your own pictures and stuff. It was not quick, I will say. Home publisher, all
1: well, the home publishing ones, but we had Max 10 and um, mm-hmm. Ultra something, I think of something on the shoelaces. HL and Curtis wrote an article, a series of articles on Rainbow doing this kind of thing. There was a couple other, even cross platform, there was one that actually had versions for OS 9 and for Disk Basic. I can't remember the who uh, did it. You get that one? Anyway, there's multiple ones for the Cocoa Three for sure. Uh, Home publisher was like nice and easy because it came from Tandy, <clears throat> and it lets you have one, two, or three columns, and you like you said, you know, you can wrap text around graphics, you can create your own graphics to run there, you create your own fonts, um, you know, page layouts, all kinds of things there too. But it's it's not the quickest thing. I optimized it a little bit back in the day for Nitrous Nine, but it didn't really increase it too much. It needs a rewrite to not try to fit in one twenty-eight K. That's its biggest limitation because it does everything through legal calls because you didn't have room to map in a screen or map in, you know, they can put buffers directly and manipulate them in real time versus, you know, going through the slow redraw, re get, re type thing. So this is a program that if I, you know, add it to my other list of projects there, I yeah. should get into it at some point and actually optimize. it. I like it. Locally. It's
2: very period. Correct. And it looks really, it's actually impressively yeah. good for running on an eight bit system.
4: The
5: That'd big pro tip. I was going to say the big pro tip on this is to take it to your office max And Xerox, it's 57% or whatever, so it fits two up on a page, and then you can make booklets, and they're really pretty decent resolution for the old Coco. I published a lot of stuff that way, and it worked well.
1: Did you use Home Publisher, or did you use one of the other ones?
5: I ended up in like Max 10 or something, but I started with Home Publisher, but like I said, it was so painfully slow.
1: Yeah, and I sped it up like 15%, yeah.
2: 20%, and that didn't make much of a difference.
1: Honestly. <laughs> oh, by the way,
5: It'd
4: Fabian, be interesting to see if it was optimized, though, how much Fa- more improvement you'd get out of it.
2: Fabian has confirmed that those uh, Robert Galt files are on the Color Computer Archive.
1: Okay, good. That's good to know. Yeah, Yeah. so
2: maybe <clears throat> someday
1: I might have to get back to home publishing and actually rewrite it for greater than 128K because that's the biggest limitation right now that's causing it you know, to run as slow as it is. Because right now, you have to get lucky. If you're dropping a graphic, for example, because it runs in the two-color resolution mode, there is optimized get put routines, just like this Basic has too, that if you put it on an even-byte boundary and it was created on an even-byte boundary, it, it draws really fast. Otherwise, it's a bit-shift everything. We are talking about bit-shifts earlier on uh, run down and Run. And uh, because you're on a two-color mode, you have a 1 in 8 chance of getting it on even-byte boundary. It draws fast. Everything else is like single-bit shifts and all over the place. And... Uh, seven out of eight times it's in a dog slow and once <laughs> in a while you get something fast <laughs> which you'll actually will see and because of where they've aligned the columns I think it almost never hits something by boundary if you have multiple column text so it's uh, it, it definitely needs some rewrite but it, there's definitely ways to do it that you could speed it up to be closer to say max 10 and max 10 I think at that at one point Color was bundling that with Coco Max 3 so you could draw the graphics in Coco Max 3 and then immediately import them into max 10 and, and that was a full-blown you know, nice and fast desktop publishing. They sold it as a bundle and it was actually pretty darn good. I remember one of our club members demoed the whole package at one point.
2: Yeah, I guess you know, I was right. a little behind the curve because the whole the, the vernacular of desktop publishing was something I wasn't familiar with of until the Mac Classic came out. So it was around 89. But 89, I was already years past the Cocoa. So, people were still cocoing back then. I, I didn't realize, but I was working for a store where we were selling Mac computers and I was using like all this PageMaker stuff. So, I became familiar with the whole concept of desktop publishing on the Mac. Uh, I didn't realize back then because I had for, you know, in 89, uh, the Cocoa was like so far in my rear view mirror because I was on the PCs and Macs and everything else that um, I, didn't, I never would have imagined the Cocoa could do something like this. But this is, this looks really nice, man.
8: Yeah, no,
1: it does. Ultralace is the one that H.L. and Curtis did in Rainbow, and it was a series, like, four or five issues in a row where you did the publishing of the actual source codes. You could type it in. And the um, the other one is by the same guy that did Quest for Thelda, for Sundog. Eric White, I think, did another one, and I'm trying to remember what it was called, but, the, like, that was the one I was mentioning before, that it was Cocoa 3 only, but it actually had OS9 and DISC basic ones, and it was compatible. So if you switched operating systems at some point in your life, you could actually take all the artwork and stuff you had done previously and actually import it into the other operating system and not lose anything, which was really, really nice. Cool. Next up, we have Simon Slater here. So he refurbished his Cocoa 1, and he thought he'd share the end result. So this machine he got was an F-board Cocoa 1, and the paint was wore off and, uh, you know, it only had 16K, color basic, etc. So he upgraded to 64K, put an extended basic ROM, repainted the case... And generally cleaned it up, and it actually looks pretty good. The
2: motherboard looks super clean. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And even this, we're, I mean, you can tell it's not quite the same silver as the original one, but it looks pretty darn yeah, good. It looks
2: good. It's really close. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's PAL. Oh, wow. No, I did not know that the Coco 1, the gray ones, were actually in PAL. I know, like, the yeah, Coco 2, which is actually 220 the 64 volt,
2: K. 220 volt AC, 50 hertz. Wow. 24 volt amps. Man. Now, Nick, did, do you have a Cocoa One? And Pal? this was manufactured in like Korea. One? A Korean PAL Cocoa. Yep.
4: Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't say Radio Shack anywhere on it. It's Candy Corporation. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Is, is Nick Randy
1: still in the call? Because I was going to ask him, but did he have? He seen a Gray Cocoa One PAL? Because I know he's got like 64K Cocoa, which is actually called the Cocoa Two, I think, in Australia. Or if this was maybe. You know, a UK one because they did sell the Cocoa One. In, in yeah, the it's UK.
2: interesting because I thought it was just ironic that Chucky Egg was his favorite game, which is more of a UK dragon type game. But if it's PAL, that means this was probably. It might have been the UK Cocoa yeah. One because they did sell them in Tandy stores in the UK. Okay, so Chip Tandy, Monkey Gomu so, says, I had a, a Cocoa One PAL in the UK. Wow, we did not know made, those exist.
5: Made in Korea.
2: Made in Korea, yeah. Interesting. That motherboard <laughs> is super clean, though.
1: Yeah, the keyboard, you can tell, has kind of gotten a yeah. bit of the yellowing on the keys. Yes, I think. it's
2: got the Cocoa SDC off to the side there. It's nice. There's the memory chips. Yeah. Socketed Sam. Karen says, yeah, pretty sure the family, f- friends that had a 16K non-extended color basic Cocoa had a Cocoa 1PAL. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I was, I was interested to hear if they sold them in Australia, though, because I think... Australia might have only started selling them when the white cocoa Mm. 64k cocoa came out which they called the the photography is
2: really good on this man I mean you can see all those caps and the color stripes on them and everything and all the solder joints and you can tell this is the equivalent of an F board because it's a 64k and 16k
1: jumper whereas the other ones like the E board had four 1632 and I think the D
2: had just four and 16 and I don't remember what the C had are those resistors? Are the ones with the stripes, are they resistors? And the caps are the orange ones? I'm no I'm no hardware guy. I
1: know. This, this, this yes. is, like, scaring my okay. hair right now. So the so resistors
2: is the one with the stripes. But stripes and the capacitors stripes, are the right. orange disc-looking things. Right.
5: Gotcha. And they're yep. using okay. correct, very correct. expensive resistors as well. Are they ceramic? Interesting. Well, they're wire-round and high-precision. It's yeah nicely done.
2: The photography is really good. You can really see in there. It's so shiny and clean, too, man. Good job. That's some pretty good close photography for sure. Yeah, and of and course, Chucky, Egg, Chucky Egg. Egg looks like a Pi four hundred behind it there, or it's got a scope on there. Oh yeah, um, it there.
1: Yeah, it might be. Yeah,
2: stripes on resistors. Rocky Hills, Don't let me know. Yeah, I know about as much about hardware as Curtis does about soldering. So, uh cool. No, I'm sure you know more than that. <laughs> I know the
1: side effects of soldering.
2: That's what I know.
1: <laughs> Neat. So this is a channel we've covered the last couple of weeks, so it's I don't know who the guy is, his picture's there, Uh, but it's called Color Computer Programming, so he's covered uh, various basic things he was doing, like he's the one who, we did that one that was uh, basically showing a graphical clown balancing balloons on his head based on an Atari 2600 game. So he's done a few others here, I won't play the videos here because they're all like 10 to 40 minutes long, but go check them out because he's kind of trying to do a, a basic learning thing, kind of what Stevie did from the book, except he's doing it kind of on his own with his own projects. He's got graphing a bell curve. He's got some art and animation programs with a house and and, then how data lines work for read data statements, et cetera. So if you're just starting to learn basic, this is probably a good channel to supplement with what Stevie's done in the past. Um, And Stevie, did you ever finish that series or did it kind of get stalled? Like, did you I know you completed the color basic book, I think. I Uh, I don't
2: remember if there was a chapter. I, I was close to the end. I don't remember if I ever got to the final chapters, but then I kind of got sidelined by cosmic aliens, and I don't know that I finished. I, I, I there's no, there's not a lot missing, honestly. So, but I don't know. Yeah, I think I, it was like disk file manipulation. And, yeah. So, but as far no, as,
1: were you ever on planning book? on doing the Coco Three version of that? Because that's one that has not really been tapped by anybody at this point.
2: No, I try not to make plans. So yeah. <laughs> I figured the less commitments I make, the less people. Well, you're people... succeeding then. Yeah. That's, yeah that's the less the less commitments I make, the less people I'll disappoint in the future. So I always try to look <laughs> on the bright side. So <laughs> Well
1: you're too late on the latter part. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of extended basic uh, learning here, so Alan Uffman, of course, for Septand he had a video just about every day on some aspect of basic. And one thing he's been tackling lately, and this is part two and it's still ongoing, is exploring the get put functions. Now, one thing the basic manuals, extended basic manuals, got incredibly wrong was how to do a dim to hold the graphics data from a get. Because yeah. they were telling you to dim it by X size comma Y size. Right. Now, every variable in basic takes five bytes because it's a real floating point. And they t- told you to dim it basically by pixel, which means it's taking many times more RAM right. than it actually needs and you'd run out. So in the previous one, he kind of did the calculations for two color mode, how you figured exactly how much RAM you really need. And this one, he expands on that and then has a, you know, how do you handle a two-color mode
2: versus a four-color mode and which modes are which, et cetera. I didn't really use the- math. I just kept lowering the numbers until it wouldn't work.
1: <laughs> oh, no, he gives you the math here. You can actually yeah. just, you know, quickly calculate it and bang, you know. Exactly yeah, I usually, doing, I usually
2: so. try to do like a dim two by two. And if then, if it borked on that, I'd kick it up one and whatever. So um
1: well, you one thing he does two is you don't need a two-dimensional array. array at all. You just need a single yeah. dimension. actually takes a little bit less room. Oh, whatever so it was. But,
2: yeah, whatever. Yeah. The, I always just started low and just uh, incremented as necessary until it stopped working on me. Yeah.
1: So. Now, one thing he's going to be getting into in the future, he's already mentioned to me, is that he's going to be getting into the difference between the G option. Like, there's that option to get it in detail so you can do the bit shifting mm-hmm. if you put it odd. Now, that slows it down. Like, just like Home Publisher, it's the same thing, actually. But he's also going to get into the one where you don't use the special option, where it has to be in a bite-aligned border to work properly, but it's much, much faster. Mm -hmm. And him and I both remember the same uh, Rainbow article back in 83, I think it was. They had a little UFO in P-Mode 4 artifact that started in the lower left screen, I think it was, and then went up and then went diagonally up to the right. And when you watch a drawing on the standard, how to do it through the manual thing, it's like you can watch a Ripley effect as it's drawing. Mm -hmm. And it literally takes like 20 seconds to get from the start to the end. And when you do the even byte-align get put with the faster get put options, where you have to byte-align it, then it's like literally five to ten times faster. So it's instantly you can start doing a more arcade style game. And that's going to be part
2: of this series on get put. But, I mean, he's really getting yeah, into the I, detail I, of how to, I, this works. I covered a lot of that in my basic series. With I did a lot of get put examples and how to do, like, masking and, you know transparent backgrounds and all kinds of stuff. So, um, which
1: I will mention there was somebody doing something similar to you, but doing it the old slow way. Uh-huh. I forwarded your specific video you did on that showing that little spaceship where you actually had to go with a view screen on the you spaceship. Can see see the it, behind yeah. Yeah. It.
2: Yeah. So I actually sent him a link directly to that. I've not heard back from him yet, but, yeah, it was a trick I figured out. I don't know, because I didn't buy a lot of the magazines. I, I don't know how I figured out the fast get and put back in the day, but I had done all kinds of stuff with that. And that, I did full screen shiftings with that fast get and put like this, you know, eight pixels at a time, but hor- full screen horizontal scrolls and like wrapping and stuff. Um, cool. I
1: mean, lots of details here. It's an, ex- it's an ongoing series and it'll, it'll like just, just the memory savings alone. If you've only learned from the basic book, I mean, you, A lot of people said you can only fit so many get put buffers you're out of ram so you can only make a game with like four unique shapes or something like that because you're going to run out and this will tell you exactly how to program it so that you're not wasting all that RAM.
2: Yeah, I mean, I had I had a bunch. I think I had like eight different spaceship designs and cosmic aliens, and I I, I actually um, stored a lot more assets than I ever displayed in the game. But I had like five versions of every asteroid. I had um, I had eight different alien designs. I had all kinds of stuff that I all used get put on. Uh, this was all P mode one, so it was low resolution. But you know, it runs in 32K and. I don't know if I tried it in less than that. But, um, yeah, I definitely didn't waste a lot of RAM on getting and putting.
1: Yeah. Fred Vavancho actually mentions here, never knew about Get Put and Basic. Now to go back and rewrite all my old programs.
15: (laughs) All
1: right. Now, unfortunately, Simon had to leave, so I was going to have him actually kind of explain this here. But uh, this is his uh, playing around with uh, sound, multi-voice sound on the MC10.
8: Ooh.
1: And this one is a three-voice sampler.
8: Now, I'm not sure what the volume levels are. Turn it yet. up,
1: man.
2: Uh, yeah, it sounds good.
13: I've I heard remember this is a random sound. They don't have lot foot tonalized
1: For volume, Steve. that's fine. Yeah. I can hear the bass track. Yeah. Out. Yeah,
2: that's cool. I love the lo-fi sound he comes up with, the kind of crunchy sounds.
1: Well, with one-bit sound in that case, you don't really have much of a choice. But it's, it's pretty good multi-voice sound, especially yes. for a one-bit speaker. I mean, this yeah. is the equivalent of what the Apple II had as far as hardware it, um, goes.
2: It sound a little bit better than that Tetris thing that we were listening to earlier. was <laughs> <laughs> a low, too low of a sampling rate, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you can do, like, you mentioned in the comments is that some modern players actually use one-bit sound to play CD quality stuff. Because if your sampling rate's high enough, it uh-huh. sounds just as good. Because you can do, like, sort of a successive approximation where you're just doing offsets and you can kind of fool... Speakers into doing more than you would think would be possible one bit sound, but you have to have a f- very high sampling rate to get that the sound really good. That's what ADPCM compression does, yeah, because it basically gives you an offset you know, a four bit offset yeah. into you know, up or down, and then it's scaled, you know, right exactly. Yep. Yeah, so just going plus or minus eight, it's like plus one, plus two, plus four, plus eight, plus 16, so you can jump your samples around. And at a fast enough sample rate, it sounds just like you know, a
2: 44 kilohertz sample. Width. Except yeah. it takes a Simon way less is time. always doing, he's, just, he's <clears throat> pushing the, the envelope. If I could and use I'm sure that because Simon is one there. of our
1: guests next week on the yeah. MC10 special, I'm sure he'll be going into this in a bit more detail.
11: I wonder how much CPU is left over for a game. Probably not much. Hopefully. But it does
1: have a reprogrammable timer, yeah. which the Cocoa did not have, the Cocoa 1 and 2, anyway. Now, one thing he did mention, I think it was him or somebody else, maybe that's more familiar with the MC10, mentioned it does have a reprogrammable timer in the 6803, just like the Gimme does. But it doesn't automatically reset itself like the Gimme one does, so you have to manually reset it every time it's triggered. So there's a bit of CPU overhead you got to blow doing that, unfortunately. It's too bad it didn't have the automatic reload, because that would have been awesome. Cool. I also don't know if... I don't. There's no FRQ in the 6803, is there? I think you have to do the full register stack, which is smaller than the 6809, so it doesn't take as much overhead. But uh, it should be possible to do one or two voice background music, I think, with an arcade game if it's a long line, it's say it's something like Nick's Pipes, where it's not super graphic intensive, moving the whole screen around or anything silly, you could do something with an actual playing music track in the background MC10, I do believe. Hold my beer. <laughs> All right.
15: So.
1: Next up, uh, John Whitworth, of course, uh, from the uh, Super Sprite Board, uh, is also making uh, Phil Harvey Smith's power supply boards. Because one thing on the Dragon 3264 is that the power supply board is something that does tend to fail after so many yeah. years. Um, so it's something that definitely needs to get replaced way more often than say the Cocoa power supply, which is pretty rare for that thing to blow up from what I can tell. And you hardware guys can correct me if I'm wrong on that. So basically Paul, or sorry, Phil is the one who designed this board. John has been actually manufacturing it. And, uh, the first batch that he got is already out and he sold out. I think we mentioned that last week and he's got another set of orders coming in. So for those that actually pick up real dragon 32s and 64s with a bad power supply, there is now a new source for new ones to replace them with, and this is from uh, Richard Harding, who we had on the Dragon uh, Talk Special. So we've been announcing the Dragon um, Cambridge show in November 27th and 28th um, for you know weeks now. It wasn't totally official yet. It was like 99% sure. Now it's completely 100% official. They've got everything booked and set aside for it. So any of you in the UK that can get down to Cambridge in December 27th and 28th, um, it, they've had a retro computer show that was just there a week or two ago uh, that was we covered the picture from one of the, uh, you know, a couple of the dragons over there earlier in the show. But basically this is dragon only. So this will have the dragon prototypes, you know, for the dragon beta, the dragon alpha, and you'll be able to see some fairly rare Dragon hardware. I don't know if anybody's bringing new software. You know, Karen might be selling his Dungeons tape there if you want to get that. Um, hopefully, some other people can show up too that we've had on the show before too. I'd love to see that. We're going to try to get a live feed from them here on the Cocoa Talk channel, so that it'll be live streaming even you know early in the morning because of course that'll be you know later in the morning afternoon for them in the UK. And then hopefully once Cocoa Talk the show officially starts. We'll actually be able to grab some of the people just after the show's over there to get them to talk about what what's new at the show, who all showed up, maybe even get some impromptu short interviews out of some of the people there too, so we're that hoping to cool. get a link up. I've contacted Tony Jewell to see about getting streaming set up, and I'll probably get you, Stevie, or, or whoever's okay. planning on being the host that day to get in contact with him to get all the logistics figured out.
2: That'd be cool. All I got to do is join Zoom for the most part, but... Um uh, neat. I'm, I'm yeah. so no, glad. If they have a I,
1: Twitch I, account, they could actually do the auto stream, but that doesn't oh, yeah, work on Facebook well, and YouTube,
2: right? No, it wouldn't. It okay, wouldn't, so, so we wanted to set Yeah, we will like have to we'll try to coordinate something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. oh Erico's asking, did I lose game on? <laughs> you were definitely mentioned, Erico. But you didn't win. You no, know, it was uh, Tasman won. But you were you were on the leaderboard. Um, no, I'm glad that we have this nice symbiotic uh, relationship with the Dragon community that is so cool that uh, we're able to share these events and stuff. So so cool.
1: Yep, and plus, they've got so much cool software we didn't have, so now that we're getting the cross-pollination, it's expanding both game libraries. Games from the Cocoa only are going to the Dragon. Dragon-only games are coming to the Cocoa. It's it's great, because it's expanding our game libraries. And other software doesn't have to be just game.
2: Right, but the games are the most important.
1: All right, Per Surat. Yeah, so this is on the 6X09 Super Sprite FM Plus Facebook group. So if you have that hardware, join the group. <clears throat> so we mentioned before that, you know, uh, the creator of the board has put up a couple of Pair's test and, and, and developer code up. Pair himself has put up some other stuff, too. So he's got VGM uh, music players for both of the sound chips that are built onto this thing. The OPL2 chip and also for the older AY chip. So, and with sample songs and else, if you download disc images and you have one of these new boards here, you can actually play music from both sound sources that are built onto the board. Um, and of course, he's doing other graphics. He's doing the AGD ports that we have mentioned before. So, if you want to gather up all the stuff for the FM Plus board, whether you're running out a Cocoa or Dragon, he's also made Coco-specific versions for some of these here too, because some of them did need a bit of tweaking between the two. Uh, definitely join this group on Facebook because you'll be seeing a whole ton of stuff coming out. For this, in the games, there'll be music playing. Uh, utilities, there'll be developer toolkits <clears throat> for programming the chips on the board, for the sprites, and for the you know, better graphics, and for the sound chips, etc. So, okay. any of you interested in this board, or any of you who have got the board on order, or have got the board in hand already, and are looking for some software to support it or as a developer
2: to, to learn how to do the programming for it, this is a perfect page. You should definitely bookmark this and join it on Facebook. Yeah, I'm just going to throw in too that as much as I don't want to discourage people from buying the real hardware, it is emulated, at least in MAME. I'm not sure if Karen's going to get it to um, XR or not, but on the uh, Cocoa Pie updates, they, uh, Ron Klein has added a um, uh, d- an attract mode that will play through some of the super sprite uh, a G D ports on a dragon with the graphics and sound and just kind of cycle through them and just let you keep seeing them in a loop. Mm-hmm. So the the ability to see this and experience this to some degree you can do on your Cocoa pie and hopefully that will encourage you to maybe want to buy the real hardware. Um,
1: now, I'm curious Steve, if you had a chance to try this. I I have here? not.
2: I just did the most okay. recent update to it because I saw he posted that he updated um, QB 64 as well. So I have, I've updated my pie, but I don't think I've pulled down that uh, I don't know if I need just to pull maybe. a software um, repo to get those demos. I was going to uh, inquire with Ron Klein about that. Or I could probably read his blog post and might have it in there too. So, okay.
1: um, But you can see Pear's been very busy here. I mean, yeah. here's with the one VGM player. Here's a second VGM player. This is going back to, uh, you know, Cocoa compatibility for some of these and, you know, some sp- stuff with sprites and just, you know, between him and John. It, that, this is a... Uh, a hardware project that is brand new that has a ton of software support already and still ongoing. Like this came out of the gate running with. It. Right. Here's some right. sample AGD games. Here's some demo programs. Here's some
2: development right. kind of stuff. And and this is where I think this might gain a little bit more traction because unlike the um, current sound um, fragmentation crisis that we have, where there are so many sound choices, uh, how do we choose, uh, or who's going to support what? Um, well, while well, well, some of that support is starting to happen, this is something that's Got the support as it's being developed. So, out of the box, there's things you can do with it. Um, and also, it covers sound and graphics. So, I mean, it's like a yeah, two for punch yeah. Type yep, thing. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Now I'm excited about this. I do eventually want to buy the real hardware for it, but uh, I will play with it on uh, on emulation. I know Brian
1: Weiser has one. I don't know if he's actually started up. I don't. Know, maybe that was one of the things he was planning on presenting today. If he actually got a chance to get on the show, but uh, I don't think he's in on here
2: yet. does he? have have chance to check. The no, I don't see him movie. yet. No. Okay. Cool. Lots of stuff going okay.
1: on. Okay, and the last one here is a bit of a different uh, one from the uh, Laird Slayer. We covered some of his game videos related to the dragon here earlier on the podcast, and uh, this one here is he. He kind of did his own video on ten amazing Dragon Thirty Two facts. Now, a few of them, of course, we know, <laughs> but it kind of goes into some you know deep lore about the dragon, about you know the fact that you know at Christmas of nineteen eighty two was the second best selling micro in the entire UK. Which most people did not assume was true, but actually that was confirmed. We covered that a few weeks or a couple months back. Um, There was a magazine that actually published, you know, sales relative sales figures Mm -hmm. between the various machines on every two-week basis, and the Dragon actually was number two, just behind the Spectrum.
15: Mm -hmm.
1: It was ahead of the C64 at this point. The Vic Twenty, you know, uh, or BBC Micro. Yeah, like it was. It was really doing well. And there's a bunch of other little bits and trivia and stuff in here. Some of it was new to me, some of it was stuff I already knew. But uh, it's a nice little history thing, and it's generally not what he normally does. He normally does game-type stiff videos, so this was kind of interesting. Now, the one thing, if you're into, more into gaming than, you know, dragon lore and history, he does have, as he's, you know, tech you know, reading out the text on this ten different amazing facts, he's got various games of the dragon running in the background as graphics, and then occasionally has some special videos for the facts he's presenting. But generally, it's a nice little rundown of a bunch of uh, game stuff, too. Cool. So, assuming I don't get nailed with ads here, I'll play a little bit of the beginning. Of it. Yeah. That might be the new uh, Super Cray
9: So, let's start off by addressing the elephant in the room here. Or should I say the Dragon in the room? Because I'm sure a lot of my regular viewers are wondering why on earth I'm covering a computer like the Dragon 32 in my Amazing Facts series. I've stated before that I like covering more obscure platforms, but even then machines like the Atari XE game system and Philips Video Pack are still known to the majority of retro gamers around the world, which I don't think you can say about the Dragon. But I've always stated that I like to make videos that interest me, the kind of videos that I would watch myself. A lot of YouTubers make videos that they think will be popular. I've never followed that mantra. The Dragon32 is a computer that's always fascinated me, since I first encountered one as a kid. And although I've never actually owned one, I have um, uh...
2: awful lot of things. Yep, this is the 4K Scarf Man. Yeah.
9: I don't know if it's because it's a British home computer or because it was a huge underdog. Probably a bit of both actually. But it holds a strange amount of affection for me. So that's why I wanted to make the Dragon Thirty Two the latest star of my amazing fact yeah, series. Yeah, scarf man. And I hope you won't dismiss this video due to the obscure subject matter, because there really are some great pieces of trivia here, and there's a lot to learn about a very exciting time in home computing history. So this is
2: like an um, uh, Apple Panic. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yep. Yeah. So,
1: like I said, I'll let you guys go check it out there, but it's got some interesting stuff and a lot of good gameplay video in the background. is kind of yeah, kind that's
2: of neat. Part. So you can see some dragon games while he talks about dragon history. It's a twofer. Yep. I like that's it. it for the news. I like it. Uh, Brian Weezer did respond in the live chat. He says, I do have the board, but I have not had a chance to solder it up. I have everything ready to go jump, to go just time to assemble it, but soon. Okay. And um, uh, so if somebody, Mike Miller is asking for the link, the link to everything we talk about in the news is on our Discord channel. If you go to our Discord server, we have a uh, channel called News Summaries and all the links are there in a text file. Uh, I don't know if anybody wants to try to pull that link and post it in the live chat in this case here, but you've got to be real noisy by posting every single link in the chat. So we just have a text file summary you can pull on our Discord server. Um, Alright, cool. So that concludes news. It's probably time now for project updates and acquisitions. Yes? Yes? Are we missing anything? Are we missing? Uh, are we missing a segment? I don't know.
0: I don't um, think so. Not at this point, point.
2: and I know uh, Rick Ulin was one of the people, and said he's had something he wanted to share. So I'll go ahead and let you go first, Rick, if you don't mind. You
5: have to unmute here You're and unmuted. not there. <laughs> Once the pop up comes up, you can't use the unmute button. You have to use the pop up. Mm. Good stuff. Okay. Well, anyway. Um. Yeah, let's uh do this. So last time we were, last episode, we were talking about the Model 1 and how some of them didn't have the wood grain top, and the top is kind of a bronzy color. Yeah. But if you look really closely, it's got the wood grain pattern embossed in it, and this bronze color is the glowing background for the wood. They just didn't put the dark sort of dry brush wood effect on the top of it
15: oh. cool.
5: so i'd posit they all have wood grain they just hit it on some of them
1: just like they hit uh, the little knobs on the front for the channel selector. yeah like
5: with that. the little plastic box that hides over in the. yeah it still says v under this cable because that would have been the volume knob and things like that but anyway that's not what i came here to talk to you about um I was digging around the attic through my old junk boxes looking for stuff that might be cool to show at the Cocoa Fest. And I found a box of software buried in the junk hardware. So uh, I went digging through it. And the first thing I found, I almost didn't even go through it. Here's a Model 4 Orchestra 90 demo disc. Oh. Where the heck did I get that? I have no idea. Um, not very important. But then the Nest discs were interesting. We have micro Microware branded OS 9 Level 1. Um, In Cocoa format, it looks like, which is kind of different. So that was cool. But then I found something really cool. Remember this project where I was stuck here with no OS? Well, I found these. Oh, wow. I think I have everything I need. to. And the first couple that I checked all seemed to load. So I'm going to back all these up and see if I can reinstall OS in my Delmar. And G
1: G Windows was quite nice. We used it at work for a bit there. You could even, like, tie drivers into specific hardware monitoring bits you know like uh and have it automatically draw like a scaled graphic you know as controls based on hardware inputs you're reading and stuff it was really good for doing uh you know hardware review you have little meters and stuff automatically running up the hardware without you having to write any code you would just link it up to things but uh it was a great gui and it was on a lot of the os9 systems other than the mm1 and the uh, tc70 uh, which, of course, got Kevin Darling's, uh, what was it called, K Windows, which was based on, on Multiview and the Cocoa. But uh, that was a nice independent one. It ran OS 9000,
7: OS K, a whole bunch of other things, too. So You are going to fry so. your brain, man. <laughs> <laughs> no,
5: this, this is going to be fun. I may have to start a, a channel just for this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe you should come on and just do a, like a 10, 15 minute video each week, Rick, of what you discovered as you're going through these. Yeah. Because a lot of us have not seen a Delmar system running. And you got a system four, or system five,
5: five, yeah, sixty eight oh twenty. So,
1: yeah, I, I mean, for a lot of people like Stevie that weren't around during the late nineties, you know, when all this, or actually it's early to mid nineties, when all the quote unquote Coca fours were coming out, I mean, they wouldn't have seen a lot of this stuff. So it'd be nice to have somebody show them
5: off. Yeah, and it's interesting. I have a two dot three from Hazelwood, which would be the right ones for the Delmar, but then I've got a two dot four from Peripheral Technology, which I think would have been the what, the, the PK4 or whatever it was? So it'll be P-K-6 interesting to see.
1: PK4, yeah.
5: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if I can smash all this together into something interesting. I see this is my handwriting, so I obviously made this boot disk at one point. So that'll probably get me past the hard drive went dead. So, yeah, I'm really happy hmm. to find all of these. And then uh I found something else. What was it? Oh, yeah. For my CD that I don't have the password for, I have now found the Ultra C release, all nine floppies of it.
1: This is one Bill and I had at work too. We were running on uh, OS 9386. three eighty six.
5: I've got the I've got the CD. It's password locked. I don't have the password, so I have Ultra C, but I have no OS to run it on. But at least <laughs> I found out. Uh, we were talking. I'd found the CD ROM, and uh, it was pre Ultra C, and that's disappointing because I've got all these excellent manuals for Ultra C, and I remember reading them back in the day, but I didn't have any hardware to run them on. So,
2: uh, maybe I'll finally get to use this I'm thing. I'm glad after. to hear you're coming to Cocoa Fest, Rick. I'd love to meet you in person.
5: Exactly uh, so. I'm not good at making introductions online, as you can probably tell. Um, so, <laughs> so Tom, Tom
2: Eric Gunderson is asking, it says, the Del Mar system, does that refer to the town of Del Mar, California? Do you know?
5: Uh, what was the guy's name? Delmar Ed Gresick. Right? Yeah, I don't know why he called his company Delmar. I really don't. Um,
1: but he I don't did. Think he, was, he wasn't from California either, was he? I'd have to look at my old 6 microjournal ads.
0: I'm, I'm, was he from the East Coast?
1: I'm trying to remember. He passed away from yes. cancer quite a few years ago. So,
0: Because there's a lot of companies called Delmar that are on the Delaware-Maryland border, especially down south.
5: Oh, yeah, short for Delmarva. Hmm. Yep. Okay. So, so in any case, that's that's the things I found in my attic this week, and I'm very happy to have found them. And that is super cool. Does that conclude your uh, update and, and acquisition? Yeah, I'm I'm done finding things this week. I'll have to find more things next week. Well,
7: what's on your pedestal back there today?
5: Oh, we went back to the the Del Mar is active. I've got to get the uh, Tandy drive going to take to Cocoa Fest. So. It's actually on the bench right now.
2: Yeah, Cocoa Fest is less than a month away. It's hard to believe, man. Yeah, it's um,
1: getting short.
2: Just weeks, it's weeks away.
1: Um, yeah. Rick, did you say you actually got the Delmar to boot
5: now, too, with those floppies? I, I The boot floppy works for sure. And uh, it just dumps you into a terminal screen, but, you know. So you can so even show I, that
1: today next week just to show people what this K boot looks like.
5: I, I might. I, I I stopped. I only found these yesterday. I checked to see if they would load at all, and now I want to back everything up before I do another thing. Good. Just in case Good I idea. have one of those floppies that manages to scratch the disk on the directory track occasionally or something like yeah. that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I,
2: I have a project that, that yeah. I offered to do for somebody. He found his old wedding VHS tape from like the '80s, and it's it's his only copy, and he wants me to digitize it for him. And I have a VCR that I. I'm pretty sure it works i got a goodwill but it's like you know what i am I bought a head i just got a head cleaner like you remember the days when you used to have to use head cleaners on vcrs i was able to get a head cleaner on amazon so i was like i'm gonna run a head cleaner on it i'm gonna try to run a dummy tape because i want to make sure i don't kill this guy's tape from his exactly. wedding you know it's his only copy so i'm doing a similar thing trying to take some preventive measures there so <laughs> that's cool yeah looking forward to seeing that Um, L. Curtis Boyle is showing something here. For superior OS 9 performance, the System 4. This this is the System 5 that uh, Rick has. System 4 is down below. That was an earlier 68000 version. 6820 running at 25 megahertz, up to 128 megabytes of zero weight state memory. My God. SCSI and IDE interfaces, four serial, two parallel ports, 5 16 bit and 2 8 bit ISA slots and much more. Uh wow, it's like a PC motherboard with a Motorola It is front. actually.
1: It used PC VGA cards and PC wow. serial cards and now, was, that the, was um,
2: the was the 6800 was that also like a 40 pin dip or used the same socket as the old Intel like 80 No, the 68000s are what 64 pin minimum I think. Like I
5: believe they're the big honking, and Yeah, okay. big huge.
2: Here's Chips. the G windows that he showed. Also, yes, they are in Delaware. In Delaware. Okay, so Del Mar was Del- Delaware.
5: Del Marva. Yeah. Del
2: Marva.
0: Okay. Yeah, that was probably down. The uh, De- Del Marva Peninsula is further down than Del Mar. Del Mar is usually like in the uh, western side of Delaware. And uh, Del-, Del Marva is usually down at the south end of Delaware. Not that Delaware's all that big.
2: Right. So G Windows Benchmark Performance Index on a System 5 running at 25 megahertz with a standard VGA board of 0.15 seconds faster than a 6830 running at 30 megahertz with an ARTC video board. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah, but you can see here support for multiple VGA cards running on different processes, different portions of the same processor, both, which actually meant you could actually have multiple VGA cards in the system at once, each running their own screen. All running from one eye too, right, completely yeah. independent of each other, not sharing a video card like you know, modern times, but actually completely separate.
7: Wow! Did this computer do DMA?
2: Yes, 128 megabytes of RAM. Man, yeah, that is,
5: and you always have four serial and two parallel ports, which is a hell of a lot of ports.
2: Yeah. Yep. Thank it you definitely it. <laughs> makes it a great terminal, sir.
1: It had CD you know? support, all kinds of stuff. This was a nice system. I remember Ed showing off the original system for the sixty-eight thousand based one, and then when the 8020 based one came out, that was complete competing with uh, Frank Hogg's KBus stuff. You know, it was, that was higher well, than the M1 and higher bus
2: as than... an industry standard. So the fact you could yep. pop in yeah. these things—that's. I remember he had he had he had one upgrade board, and you might remember this too, Rick. It was actually an eighty-eighty-eight.
1: With a VGA built into a single board that you could plug in, and he was actually playing like King's Quest III on it, running you know off of mm-hmm. DOS as a process under
5: OS nine. Yeah, because I know the the core concept here is you can have multiple CPUs running on this thing. Wow. The, yeah. the CPU it does have is a daughter board plugged into the card bus. So that's, that's cool. Wild. But I don't yeah. have the I don't have the SCSI card for my CD. So. What kind of a power
7: supply would I it have?
1: It's mm-hmm. a standard PC. It's a PC case, PC Play. power supply, everything else. Luckily, it was meant to be flame as, flame as much PC hardware compatible yeah. as possible.
7: So it's like 200 or 300 watts.
5: Yeah, but you could throw any standard AT supply in this thing. So yeah. how much do you need? But the whole
1: point was <laughs> it was using like PC XT cards or, you know, AT level cards, the 16-bit ISA cards. You could throw in sound cards, scanner cards, uh, Graphics cards, anything you put in a PC is all, all you need to have was a driver for it, and it would work under this, OSK.
5: This is just a generic clone case. The only way they changed it is it's got a bigger IO board on the back than normal. Hmm.
1: So that's but, your System Five up there, because I, I know they sold them yeah. as desktop ones and they also sold
5: them as towers. Yeah, this so. is yeah. the the tower tower version.
7: So how much was it? Um,
5: I I don't know. I I got this way back. I think it was a donation actually. I got this way back in the day. It sat in my big pile of junk hardware for 20 years.
7: Was this like a $2,000, 5000 system when it came no, out? No, it was less than
5: that. Um, it wasn't don't bad. The exact it was...
1: price. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the price in the ad. You basically had to write him to get the price because he had the System 5, System 4, and he had various options like, what graphics card do you want? Do you want a mono graphics card like a Hercules? Do you want a, a VGA or a Super VGA and you know all the different options you had? So he didn't really list a price because it was basically customizable to whatever the heck you wanted.
5: Right. In fact, the driver disk he sent you was handwritten with whatever you had got. Wow. So I have the, you know, um, was it DC sixty eight two thirty driver or thirty seven sixty five driver and bingo. I can't <laughs> read the other one. Yeah. So anyway, whatever you bought, he he kind of put it on a disk. Wrote what was on it on the label and threw it in the bag. <laughs> That's
1: cool. Yeah, like he's mentioning here on the ad that the G Windows um, for the System 4 and System 5, if you had the right graphics card installed, it would run up to 1024 by 768 by 256. That's Super Which VGA. for that time period was pretty darn good. Yeah. That was right up with the PC. Yeah,
2: that was like Windows 3.1 Super VGA mode. And I remember having a wallpaper of Cindy Crawford on the beach in her bikini. And it looked damn there photorealistic at that resolution of even 8-bit color.
1: Yeah, and this is back in the mid-90s. I mean, this is yeah. you know, right around the same time the
2: PC was doing the same yeah, thing. So yeah, this was quite advanced for OS 9. Absolutely. Very cool. Very, very cool.
1: So, uh, yeah, Rick, if you can fire that sucker up and maybe just do a little presentation of each new thing you discover on it you know, in the next few weeks or maybe yeah. when you just find something new. Like, if you get G Windows installed, I think a lot of people have never seen G Windows, even went to Cocoa Fest didn't see it too often.
10: Everybody yeah, showing this,
1: K Windows. So.
5: This will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Who expanding has, my horizons. Uh,
10: you going to bring it to Cocoa Fest? Show it
5: off? No, it's too early for that. I'm uh, barely okay. going to have my cocos. I've never been to it. I haven't been to Cocoa Fest in 27 years. My table needs a little updating. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, thank you, Rick. Who else has an update acquisition? Something to share? Yeah. Okay, so I've got
4: my acquisition here.
2: Uh, which, uh, all right, Well, right. You'll be next, Sloopy. Hold on. Let me spotlight. Label's missing. Okay, what do you uh, got there, John Laura? Okay.
4: Yeah, it's a it's a cocoa cartridge. Uh, the interesting thing about it is I found it in a um, a Goodwill. Okay. I, was, I blew my mind. I, I saw it sitting on the shelf, and you know it's pretty recognizable. You, you should a run a your Goodwill. run your video. Um, okay. Sure. Uh,
7: okay. I watched it. It was.
2: So, you, um, bought, you, so you bought a Cocoa cartridge, but you didn't know what was in the Cocoa cartridge because it has no label.
4: Right, Sorry. exactly. Um, Stevie or Curtis, I just posted the link in uh, the Keep, Zoom chat if you want to play it real quick.
1: Okay. It wasn't audio spectrum analyzer, the new version, was it? All right.
4: No, All that's right. what I was so speculating in my head. I'm like, oh, it would be great if it was the, the newer high-res version. I, right. I In my video, I,
7: I do mention... See Bjork though, because I'm like, you well, let know, me could um, be any one of how many are there? <laughs> yeah, a hundred and plus, or who knows, two hundred.
2: Okay, so I'm going to share my screen with uh, with sound, and so you guys can hear it. Uh, I have the video up. Can you guys see the video?
4: Yep. About a minute and a half long. Do you want to okay, play the whole here thing?
2: Here we
4: go. Okay. What? So today, what you need? Though? I went to. Goodwill, my weekly run to Goodwill. There's a couple, there's two of them in our area that I usually hit. Is this you? Once a week, maybe once every yes. week, two weeks. And uh, today, when I was in there, I saw something on the shelf that Doesn't I recognized sound like immediately.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's faster.
4: A cartridge. 99. Couldn't pass it up. So I bought it, or I picked it up to see what it was, and I flipped it over and, you know... There's stickers gone. So, you know, what could it possibly be?
2: If this suspense to guess, is I'd killing see
4: something me. Written by Steve. Here, yeah. That's a safe bet, huh?
2: Yeah. Um, cure for cancer program. Maybe some prototype game. That Mike Miller's wanting to know if his color scripts it. What do you think? Yeah. Sitting there rotting away in some goodwill in the middle of nowhere.
4: You'll you'll find out Let's about. let take a look and see. Twenty it.
7: seconds here.
2: All uh, right. And there's your Ed Snyder Cylon keyboard there.
7: Oh, yeah. That's a powerful machine. Victim
2: analyzer. There you
7: go. Here it it comes.
2: There you go. Wait for it. Wait for it.
0: Oh,
4: back
7: down.
0: Back
4: In all of its 4K glory.
0: <laughs> oh, well. Hey,
7: <laughs> it
15: played.
7: Booby <laughs> prize. It played, yeah. though. Yeah, it it works. It wasn't dead. So, just just out of
2: curiosity, what did that cartridge cost you at Goodwill?
4: That's an interesting story. Uh, It was marked $1.99, but when I checked out, I bought uh, a couple of other items. I I usually pick up three, four things, you know, just whatever I happen to find. And uh, so I had um, a clock and a a humidifier, you know, humidistat that you hang on the wall and uh, a couple other things. And so I, I, took everything out of my shopping cart, and put it on the thing, paid for everything. And then I was about to put stuff back in, and I realized I forgot to pay for the cartridge. So I go, oh, I forgot this. And I gave it to her so she could bring it up. And, and the, the gal was like, don't worry about it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so $1.99 with a $1.99 discount. All
3: right. Well, you get what you pay for.
4: Is it a five-figure yeah. <laughs> discount?
3: Yeah. You know,
5: before you yeah, no, I was printers. more
4: than willing to pay for it. I wasn't intending to defraud it sure, in any way. Yeah. I just, I literally picked it up and handed it to her for her to write it up. I mean, it's $1.99. I'm not then She turned gonna... to
7: you and said, Can I see your pockets, please?
15: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, she
4: was actually, when I came up, she was like on her phone and it was like I was bothering her to have me sure. write it up, you know, her bring uh, it up yeah. and stuff. And uh, she seemed a bit dis- disinterested in her job, which. I can't blame her. Yeah. I mean, she's a cashier at Goodwill, so.
2: Right. Well, <laughs> you know. I was hoping we were going to have a originally length show today, but I see Brian Weezer has joined us, so that whole <laughs> thing probably just gone out the window. There but, goes the short uh, show. Sloopy, you were next with your your um, with your hand up on a show and tell. So, by all means, sir.
0: Yes. Um, spoiler alert: I didn't get a backgammon cartridge. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I did get cartridges though. Ooh. And a real hey, spoiler. Uh, None of them are out uh, the uh Audium Spectrum Analyzer. Um got uh, there's this uh super pitfall and Amazing World of Malcolm Mortar, I think? Yes, it is.
2: Okay. They're in Ziploc I'll, I'll, bags. I'll just
0: hold them. Yeah, I'll just hold them up and uh Remember to do the whole Karnak thing there.
2: where you hold it to your forehead and <laughs> yes, okay. Mazeball? Um, Maze Mind Roll and Arcanoid Mind rolling, Arkanoid.
0: Yep. <laughs> now the really hard ones. Okay. Spectaculator
2: that, and Dexter. Spectaculator
0: yep. and Dexter. That's my my new cartridges. Okay. And uh, They even have stickers. Yeah, I uh, got them from uh, someone on Discord. Uh, they were uh, selling them for a price that I couldn't say no to.
2: Okay. Even
0: I could afford them. All right. So the other uh, thing that I have to show is the Sherpa from uh, China swam across the Pacific Ocean and walked across the United States. And we now have – this thing is not working, right? Your whole video wire. has
2: frozen on me now, Sleepy.
0: Yeah. Okay, so there we go. the wrong one. All right. We have the drive wirelessly sleeve for the Coco 2.
2: Ooh.
0: So now uh, we support all cocos for the drive wirelessly and the internal drive wire. There you go.
7: Very cool. Nice. So Were you able to contact Michael Pitsley? Um,
0: yes, I discussed it with him, and it will be going. At, his will be going out Monday.
7: He's excited. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. We
0: were. Uh, we were uh, chatting for a good hour and a half the other night and uh, getting the details and what he wants to install at mall and all in such. He's guy. Yes, he. it was uh, quite enjoyable talking with him. So. Very cool.
2: And thanks for doing the game on midweek thing. And I wish you much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that being regular. Yeah. So that's going to be yeah. nice.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to a certain few faces yeah. that I didn't see there to be uh, there this week.
2: Any names? I don't know who you're talking any, about, any but names, yeah, I agree. Any names that you want to name?
0: Yeah, uh, Stevie. Who's that? <laughs> you.
2: Oh, oh, okay. What's our game <laughs> this week?
0: I forgot. Our our Man, week oh,
2: yeah. Man on okay, the MC ten. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. See if I can get that going on my cocoa pie. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah, because I mean, Curtis was there. Uh, um, was Auntie M there? On. Um, Maybe I don't know. I couldn't okay. see everything. NML32 says, "Don't forget me, Sloopy." I will not uh, NML. Um, it's uh, you want to co- you want to talk to me on Discord. That's available or on Atari okay. uh, NML is someone I've known for years um, in the Atari community.
2: Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm sure Brian has something to show, but uh, I'm going to show what I have to show first. So I don't care who else has got something. I am taking the next slot. Um, So uh, I am going to spotlight. So what do I have to show you, boys and girls? I have uh, things from the Glenn Dahlgren collection. If you guys remember, we had Glenn Dahlgren on the show. Glenn Dahlgren has some, uh, some, uh, what you call it, some novels that he was um, uh, releasing. And so... This was his uh, first novel. That was called "The Child of Chaos," and backwards. Um, it's showing backwards here. It's showing backwards.
7: Yep, can't read it.
13: It's
2: showing backwards on mine too.
5: You are mirrored, sir.
2: Uh, how do I do that? Uh, let me go to video settings. And how do I fix that? Mirror my video. Okay. There you go. How about that? Okay, so no, now you want to unmirror it? Am I mirrored or am I not mirrored? Still backwards. Still mirrored. Hmm. How do I do that? Actually, uh, you know what? It's showing
10: mirrored in. Uh, it's showing mirrored on the uh, stream, but not in the uh, Zoom uh,
1: preview. Is it an OBS thing that's mirroring? It, maybe. I don't Must know what
2: going on here. It's showing properly in your Zoom preview window there, so I think it's OBS doing it on you. Uh, it does look backwards. So Stevie's from the mirroring so, universe.
5: So mirrored Zoom, and it'll mirror back again, and then you'll be normal. I don't. I don't know.
2: If I hit mirror my video now, it's. I'm really confused. Wait,
10: where's the button for the the beard uh, from the mirrored universe?
2: I don't know. So am I backwards? or Am I not? Whatever. It's hey backwards. It's, I, I don't know what to do. F it. Okay. Just flip the book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let me just do that. Okay. Anyways, so um so this is uh the his, the first cover to his first book. So. Um, the, the, the first book, which was called Child of Chaos, has has a new cover, right? And that is now showing up as book one when you look at the spine. But this was the original cover. And so um, if you bought his second book, which was called uh, A Game of War, he had a special where you could get the soft cover version of Child of Chaos, which is this is, this is actually the soft cover. But, because I got the new cover on the first book, I asked him for an extra cover. So I actually have an extra cover, an extra hard cover of his first book, so i can I can view it in in both the original format and the new format. But this is hard cover. this is soft cover with a hard cover cover, if that makes any sense. So I've got both of his books. And both of his hardcover books, he also gave me the really cool um, bookmark, Game of War and Child of Chaos. And I also I got them on on audiobooks, and I've been listening to him since his interview. And I finished his first book, and it was really good. Not only was it a good story, um, but he was actually doing a really good job as the um, you know as the as the narrator of of his story, doing the different characters and the different voices. And now I'm on his second book, which is the prequel. And, and the stories, the, the pacing of the stories is really good. It's very easy to listen to. He does a really good job um, with his different voices. He's actually added some extra production. So you're getting like echo sounds and crowd sounds and multi-layer sounds. So he's doing some really cool stuff with the audio production on it. Um, but bottom line, um, I re- I'm really enjoying the stories listening to them and I'm, I'm kind of cool I'm happy that I have those books which he autographed he autographed all of them but I'll, I'll just share one thing about this because we asked him a question when he was on the show like would you ever consider making another Cocoa 3 game and I'm not going to consider this uh, a commitment on his part but I'll see if I can um, zoom in here for just a second and as, if mine is still backwards I don't know what to tell you people I, I, this whole technology thing it's not my bag it's good right? now is it, is it good now so in his inscription on his his newest book. I'm having a really hard time here, guys. Sorry about that. Let me take this cover off because it's killing me. You're killing me, Smalls. Um, so in the inscription here, which... Ah, uh, shit. Okay. So what, what he's saying here is, Can you see yourself playing the game in this book? Someday I'll make it happen on the Coco. Glenn Dahlgren. So that's an unofficial... Um, claim to possibly making a new Coco game based on his book, which would be kind of cool, right? No no, 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 no promises, be. no commitment. I'm not going to hold him to that, but I thought that was kind of cool for him to say. Considering
1: he did some of the best graphical adventure games on the Coco 1, 2, and 3 back in the day, that would be awesome.
2: Yeah, and and definitely listening to these things is, is a great source of inspiration because I've had brewing in the back of my mind i want to do an adventure game and i need to work on an adventure game engine and i want to do some interactive fiction type stuff so just listening to other people's stories and their worlds and how their imagination works has just given me ideas and fodder for things to think about too whenever i get around to working on one of my many um projects in my head so um cool so
1: alan's asking in the chat how many copies do we have to buy to guarantee that
2: Ah, <laughs> that's a question for Glenn Dogren. I don't know, right? Um, but that would be kind of cool. So, um, but yeah, so I actually had those last week, but I couldn't get on the show in time to, to show and tell with you guys. So, yeah. Um, I'm happy to have them. I've been listening to the books. I'm almost done with the with the second book, which is the prequel. And I'll definitely be giving them some good reviews on Audible and everything else, too. Um, and I definitely recommend them. So whatever your preference is, if you like to read paper books, that's fine. I, because I spend time in the car, I like to listen to books. Um, so uh, they're good. Uh, Brian Weasler. how are you doing? And you're muted, but good to see you.
8: There we go. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yep. Very good, very good. Hey, just a couple of things to kind of show. I was uh, taking care of some stuff there and uh, wrapped up there as I was able to come in. Um, one thing I wanted to show you guys, uh, I know we've, we've talked about it before, and I, I bought one of Aaron Newcomb's uh, uh, RGB to HDMI adapters, but I wanted to have one that was kind of dedicated for a Cocoa 3, and then I wanted to get another one that I could use for a Cocoa 1 or 2. And he was out of stock because he sold his first batch almost immediately. And he recently got some back in stock. So if anybody's wanting to, to, to get, get one of his uh, setups, uh, he does have inventory back in available. But I wanted to kind of show because I ordered the one with the clear case, which is kind of kind of cool. It comes with the little screws in there. Ah. But that, that, that case is kind of clear. And when you order it, these are the two main pieces that you'll get. Uh, this is the... This is the brains of the, of the outfit here, this thing here, this is what attaches to the Pi zero, which you have to buy separately. And then here's the, the, the analog board and this analog board connects into, uh, uh, to adhere this. And then the, the, the pie goes onto this and becomes this whole little sandwich, which then goes inside uh, the clear case. So I'll be getting that assembled and, uh, get that attached, uh, to a cocoa two and, uh, or cocoa one actually is my first one and uh, we'll be doing that so I can get some nice uh, video off of an old one and kind of a also sends a nice. St- is that a sticker or a button or what? Yeah, is it's, a, it's a sticker that he sends along with it, so that was kind that's kind of cool. That's cool. So, Retro so I recently got that. Um, over in the UK, they had a, a brand of joystick, and I've showed some ones that I have there. I think it's pronounced uh, it's A-L-T-A-1 so I, have, I don't know if it's Alta. Alta 1 is how it's pronounced. And uh, I saw this pop up on there, and there was a couple of them out there. It's the joystick interface. So, we've seen the ones for that Wyco made that allow you to take, like, an Atari-style joystick and connect it to your uh, Coco. Right. This was one for the uh, the Dragon.
5: Interesting. That does the
8: same, the same feature. So, and it looks almost identical. Oh, I can slide out of the box here. Very tightly fit box here.
2: Hold on. There we go. That's what she said, by the way. Um, okay. Dragon and Tandy. Yep. yep. Okay. And so it basically, like I said, looks the same. So yeah, there's your... Two uh, nine-pin D-sub connectors. Yep. Right. And then you go to your... And that would be just a straight-up five-pin, because that would be compatible with the Dragon, right? Correct. Okay. Yep. So Single-button only. Yep. Single-button So only. I just thought it was kind of interesting. There was another uh, company out there that made uh, made a product for it. So that was kind of cool. Tom Eric Gunderson says, "I have that same joy adapter. That's cool. Very cool. And then uh,
8: there was a person that had posted some things out on uh, the Facebook. Uh, uh, Christopher, I believe his, his name is pronounced uh, Stepone. Um, he had some things that he was uh, that he was selling, and him and I started talking. And uh, there were some items that I did buy from him. Uh, there was a group of books. Uh, so one was this uh, the OS nine, which we've nice. all the pocket one there, the yeah. Bible, right?" and just some things that I thought were kind of interesting. So here's like a Spectrum's project. It looks like an ad that was available at the time. Pull it back
2: Oops. a little bit. Spectrum projects. Okay.
8: Yep. It, looks like a, it was like an upgrade. Cocoa or 2 16 upgrade to
2: also. 64K upgrade. Nice.
8: Yep. Sounds kind of interesting. Here's a uh, Rainbow Fest Sugar Software order form. Oh, wow. So some different – I know it's probably – cut probably can't read it right here though, but it had all the different uh, software that was available. Here's like a little bit of
2: an ad. The Coco Calligrapher. Wow, I got yep. that.
1: Yeah, they did a ton of educational software. They also made Auto run, which is the way you could get even basic programs to load in a, a little, you know, semi-graphics loader screen and then automatically execute the program just from a load.
2: Neat.
8: And then kind of a neat it's a it was the uh, Color Micro Journal. So it was almost like yep. a newspaper.
2: Wow, I remember that one? One of those was in there, so that was kind of cool. I like the American Eagle thing going on there, very patriotic there, and very newspaper looking with the nice font across the top. They're very newspaper y looking, I yeah. Like years
1: that. before Rainbow did that,
2: yeah. <laughs> that is cool. A, I think uh, those
8: are scanned on the archive too, aren't they? I believe so, yeah. Um, here's a rainbow, uh, a rainbow fest color or Coco's special at the show only. So kind of another, oops, kind of another ad. So it was just a group of stuff that he had. And I thought it was all kind of interesting. That working. is cool. Yeah. Do you know which rainbow fest you went to to get these? Um, what, what's the dates on the, uh, I'm not seeing a date right off hand here. Uh, March eighty eight. Okay, I was
2: at that one, so. a hey, quick question for Rick Eulin. Rick, are you there?
5: If I click the mute button, I can say hey, yes.
2: Hey, um, just because of the timing, and Cocoa Fest is less than a month away, any chance you can bring some of those PC Junior joysticks? Because maybe I can just grab some from you, Cash, can Carry at the show.
5: It's going to be the only thing I have parts to sell, so. Okay. Yes, okay, I will yeah. definitely bring some. <laughs> bring,
2: set aside two for me. Cool. Um, and then another newspaper
8: looking thing, it was Public Domain Inc. User written, user supported games, utilities, educational software for your Commodore, uh, C64. It was just kind of a non Cocoa thing, but again, it was kind of a newspaper looking That is neat. Yeah. Kind of still that retro look to it, though. Yeah. And then there was also uh, just a booklet, not the software for Gauntlet, too. ICOM products. Yeah. Oh, too. That is a really good portugol too, too. <laughs> it is, yeah. And then he had a book here It was troubleshooting and repairing personal computers. And what's interesting is it
2: has a uh, cocoa, know, cocoa on the one cover. On the yeah. cover, so I thought that was kind what of what is that funny. an epipen? There is it got? Does it got allergies? What's what the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> That was kind of cool. I love those. Comes, I love those um, memes where you have the girl with the goggles soldering and she's holding it by the hot. Yeah, point. by the hot. troubleshooting yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was shooting her in
4: personally. That's cool. There's a bunch of those too. That yeah. I've seen a ton of uh, electronics ads and stuff like that where the yeah, the models they don't know anything about electronics yeah. and they're all <laughs> holding it by the, That's cool. the
3: element. <laughs>
8: The Complete Rainbow Guide to OS 9. Wow. <laughs> yeah. well, the By Dale set Puckett. Port. Cool. My, so you didn't my... have to type in all the programs. There you go. Yep. So that nice. was nice. And then we've seen the, uh, the color logo, you know, th- th- this book before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the original cartridge logo.
8: But one that I hadn't seen was the Color Logo Guide for Parents. Oh, wow. Book so one. Was, was this of... a
2: series of books?
8: <laughs> I don't know but that was kind wow. of the, the, the parents guide there so that was kind of cool wow. yeah those
1: are rare I have seen them before but not not very often no and then I did receive
8: uh uh Sloopy's uh um Drive Wirelessly uh, Drive Wirelessly boards oh, I nice. bought two of them from two different versions that he had available at the time nice. Woo! those came in and then just uh then lastly um I had shown that I I got the uh the EPROM burner I think I showed this last week or the week before and so I wanted to try to do some programming so from uh from off the internet I did get some of the uh the uh it's the what brand is it the uh Windham? is that how it's pronounced uh Win- brand it's, it's, yeah, it's the, uh, this is the typical electronically erasable ones yep so that's electronic erasable ones and then from uh Jim Brain's website uh-oh uh, retro, retro innovations. Um, I got a number of different, uh, different EPROMs. These are more of the uh, the, the traditional style. So Ultraviolet. Well, sizes from them, but it's the ones that have the little window that you got to use the UV light. Ah, yeah. okay. So
1: I got. A, what size ROM did you get? Like 16Ks, 4Ks, 8Ks, 32s?
8: Um, these were. Oh shoot, I'm drawing a blank here. All of a sudden, where's my? I don't
10: are word. they like the 27-512 or 27-256?
8: Yeah, that sounds right. Um,
10: That's 32K two, and 64K. Yeah,
8: these, are the these are 256, and I believe the other ones are 512s.
10: Okay, yeah, so it's uh, 32K and and uh, 64K.
8: Right. Yep, that sounds right. Yep, I think that sounds right when you read when you say it that way. And then I also got some of his little adapter boards that allow you to go from... Uh, 28 to a 24. Exactly, yep. So, yeah, he, he had them all in stock and shipped them out promptly. So, it was very nice. So,
7: yep. And cool I think that's all I wanted to share with you guys today. So Are you going to sell some uh, Coco ROMs, extended color? I, I might.
8: To- uh, I, if, you know, I might. I, I've always wanted to dabble around it. That goes back, way back to the day, you know, 40 years ago. I always wanted to do that. And I never really did much with the ROMs. I was always kind of fascinated about the computer programming them. Um, I do have a... Old school um, uh, EPROM burner that you can actually plug into the Coco itself, and I want to give that a swing too to see about doing it old school versus using you know, you know today's modern version where you plug into a USB port. I'd I'd like to take a dabble <laughs> at that and see if I can't do it the the way we used to do it back then before. Yeah, we...
2: I have a feeling if you yeah. use a USB on a modern uh, computer, the information in the ROM might be slightly distorted. So you make sure you don't want to over modulate <laughs> that data transfer. So. Um,
8: cool. So, and then um one last note, uh, Curtis had mentioned it uh during the news um about John's uh boards that he has available for the power supply. Uh for them, I do have two of those ordered. They're somewhere over the ocean somewhere right now. So uh I uh, have not received them yet, but I did order two of uh his boards, so I I can show those off when I receive them. So the uh
5: has, Are you uh, coming to Cocoa Replaced Fest, for? Brian?
8: Yes, I am. Yep, I am planning on being there,
4: so cool. Let's do Um, a head count. Uh, I know Stevie, you're going. I'm going to be
2: there. Grant Lee is going to be there. I'll be there. Mark Bosley is going to be there. Oh, by the way, uh, I did did volunteer a Coco Talk speaking slot sometime during the fest. I don't have a time. I said, look, if you need something, I'll be happy to fill in some dead air if you guys need a speaker. And I said, I don't want it to be me speaking, so I'll bring... I make everybody suffer with me. So I volunteered, basically. Anybody who's going to be at Cocoa Fest who's been on the Cocoa Talk show, you can help me uh, tap dance for a little while and talk about something uh, as a speaking thing. But I thought it'd be kind of cool to get the panel together and be together in person and do a live uh, talk about whatever the hell. Probably something about the Cocoa, I would imagine, Mm -hmm. right? So... Uh, also, to give
1: an update to people here, the uh, announcement about opening up the Canadian to American border oh, yeah, has uh, been announced. It's November
2: 8th. So it's after the fest. Drive across, uh, well, we still have a little <laughs> bit of time. If it's, hopefully it slides to the left a little bit.
5: So you can still get a room at the Cocoa Talk, right? But only after the Cocoa Fest is done. Yeah. Uh,
2: so I'll see you guys in May. Well, I mean, it's, it's uh, how often do they update that? No, that's that's set. That's that's, that's it. it. That's you know, it. So there's not going to be it. any more.
5: It's s- the shit. day after, is it?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, They had to make sure, like all the you know intergovernmental stuff, you know, to verify and blah blah blah. To yeah. So well, yeah i and also some heard time.
2: somebody commenting about how there's like two different. You could possibly have two different vaccinations from two different sources, and how they which over? was
1: pretty pretty common up here. A few yeah, million people that yeah, affected so. so. Well, I've heard that they actually are accepting it. I know they're accepting a mix of like Moderna and Pfizer because they're both mRNA.
15: Okay. Um,
1: It was the people up here that you got Astrazeneca the first time, and then they got you know Moderna the second one. And I just read this morning. I think it sounds like they will accept that too. But once
2: again, not till November eighth. So. All right. Well, so that means officially no Canadians at Cocoa Fest.
15: Well, a a
1: few of us will be. Commuting in, you know, live video to do presentations. Yeah, but not on not, in, not, not on not on not on the live present. panel. Though. Yeah. yeah. No Ken and Across I will the be on example. Nick and a few others. I don't know, Nick, did you want to announce that? Since I think it's public knowledge.
7: Claim just claim
0: aside. Um Well, uh, it hasn't all been finalized, so yeah, I might leave it for a bit later. <laughs> okay, well you don't have much time before the fest to announce it, so just you know. Mm. Well, I've been asked to do a seminar, but it'll be probably a joint seminar with a few other game developers, so we're just trying to formalize that, and I don't know much more than that yet. Okay. Yep. And
1: Ken
2: Waters and I will be doing one like that, too, so... Yeah. Who's Ken Waters? I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I'm just so used to the name Canadian retro things. He's a
1: regular on Cocoa Talk, unlike that Steve Strobridge guy. Uh, (laughs) uh,
2: I'm an irregular. So. uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what we're looking at three weeks till the fest. Something like that. Roundabout, yeah. November uh,
4: fifth or sixth and seventh. Three weeks to organise my BS.
7: Yeah. Yep. Hey, Brian. Um, Do you have um, excess stock that you're going to wind up selling at the uh, Cocoa Fest?
8: Um, I haven't gotten through this uh, acquisition far enough, but I'm looking at maybe bringing some things. I just don't know what time
5: I'm going to have.
4: Brian's like, what's excess stock?
1: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
5: Didn't you see the audio spectrum analyzer debacle? He almost (laughs) let it go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he'll never let it in go again after that.
5: What, what Once, unfortunately,
8: it would have been nice if I could have uh, stuck to my schedule with my presentation. Then, then the answer to your question would have been <laughs> would have been there. So, um, in December, you'll get uh, a lot of clarity as to what I'm referring to as extra stock that I have available. So, but, okay. Uh, so maybe I'm guessing, Brian, like the majority of any
1: stuff that you are planning on selling will be in the
8: May show, not on the November one. If I do want to go. bring stuff to Cocoa Fest, yeah, I would like to bring a lot, uh, a lot to the show there and uh, be able to get some deals. And, and that actually might work out better because, unfortunately, with with what's happening with Canada and some of the other – and I, I think there might still be some people that maybe aren't quite comfortable yet. And so I think being able to bring stuff in uh, – uh in may next year i think would be better give more people more opportunities to uh maybe get some good deals on some hardware and pick up some things and stuff like that that i'd like to share with the community so so i'm hoping i think in this one here might be more of a show and tell that i'd like to do um versus selling anything but uh i may bring a few things along just uh maybe cover the gas money
12: (laughs) sure where do you
4: live uh brian in relation i'm in
8: uh i'm in western iowa so it's oh, a, okay.
4: So it's not a bad
8: drive. A, yeah, Less than a, about an eight hour drive for me. What about you, Rick?
5: A couple hours, Milwaukee, but
2: oh, okay. Yeah.
5: Through Chicago. So
2: the question, uh, in the live chat right now, is there going to be a virtual, are there going to be streaming from Cocoa Fest? The short answer is yes. How, why, where's and when, uh, how we're going to do it? Not sure yet, but yeah, we, we will try to bring as much live coverage from the event as possible. Uh, probably just via some stationary cameras, I you know, and maybe some other people walking around, um, you know. But most of us who who are either streaming the show or on the show are going to be there. But Brian um, Shubring typically will have something set up where he can have a camera like up in the sky pointed down at the room, which he did a couple of years ago. So that was we'll, great. Yeah. So we'll 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 have something. We're just not sure to the extent of how it is or what it is. But there'll definitely be some streaming and coverage. Uh, there for the weekend of Coco Fest.
1: Yeah, and Randy uh, Weaver, I think, is the guy that is going to be helping they set up the streaming for the actual seminars themselves. Okay. Ooh, sounds a bit I'm supposed to contact him about Ken's and mine. I'm sure Nick, you have to contact him too. So, we'll we'll get the details out to you guys. Yeah. Show yeah.
4: I've got a DJI Mavic gimbal, and uh I don't know if I'm going to have my iPhone 11 or 13 because uh, the 13th coming the first week of the.
2: But yeah, I, just, I, I kind of figured we could, if, if we just have a stream running constantly and people can join from Zoom from a number of different ways, you know, you can join from Zoom from your phone and walk around and show it. So as long as we have Zoom open and we have the stream just running, you know, at random times, people can jump on in a number of different ways. Um, and even people, even like who are not necessarily there, who are not at the event, can maybe jump on the Zoom and see it live while it's happening. But we can just stream that out um you know so yeah cool all right what else anybody else have anything to show and tell story to story to share oh and brian's saying i'll have a better camera with the real zoom access controls there all right so brian's looking like i upgrading his uh his game there yeah
1: i mean i'm guessing at this point if you're gonna have like the live stream and other people joining the zoom i think we'll have two streams really then randy might have one for seminars only and then there might be a, the other one for the general show floor and anybody walks by that thing or
2: uh, who knows or like i said that, that there's not been a lot of communication or coordination on it yet but i figured worst case scenario by the time we get there we'll figure something out so yeah
1: um, there will be something streamed i guess something answer, will be streamed yeah.
2: yeah streaming will take place it hey, might Steve? be stevie eating lunch but yeah. you know it will be something Hey Stevie,
7: <laughs> yeah. I remember a while back you had a 6809 machine that used to be on your shelf behind you. Yes. And you said that you, you weren't sure what you were going to do with it. Um, whatever happened to it?
2: Well, right now it's, in, it's on that same shelf, as in my garage. So it's in my garage. Um, I, I want to bring it somewhere, but it needs to be a time when I can drive. And unfortunately, because of my work schedule and the fact that it would take me literally two days to drive to Cocoa Fest, it's just it's not practical for me to do. So I need to figure that out. I was even, you know, figuring if I could get it up and get it to Jim Brain, since Jim Brain makes more shows than I do. And he does like the VCFs and the Cocoa Fest. But because of the size of it, I'm really not going to ship it. It's going to have to be driven. And because of my work schedule, it's going to be really hard for me to do that. So this figuring out the logistics of getting it out of Florida <laughs> is the biggest challenge right now. My work schedule is a challenge because I would have had to take in six days off of work for that weekend, you know, for the two day, two days there, the two days there, and then two days back. And I just don't have that luxury right now. My and your, is, boss, yeah.
4: your boss is an
0: asshole. So it's so not even my, well, well that time. is
2: true, <laughs> but it's not as much as my boss's and the needs of my clients <laughs> that uh, pay, pay me and my boss. So Yeah, I know.
0: So, so you're going to be gone all weekend, right?
2: I'm flying for the weekend, so okay. But, so but,
0: what? What's the address this
7: machine's <laughs> at? <laughs> so does it work? Does it have software?
2: Uh yes. I haven't looked at it that much, and no. we're we're still doing a lot of home reorganization stuff. But it's possible when i when all the dust settles on getting the house reorganized, I can bring it in my office here and fire it up. But yeah, it's it a, does boot. It, it going
7: to do a video of it maybe
2: sometime? Uh, possibly, yeah.
4: It's a sixty-eight oh nine based. System. It's basically? it's the
2: Motorola Xor. It's the original development system that Motorola created for people to develop for the 6809. So it's a fairly rare system. It looks kind of like a Model Three, but it's a green screen. It's got a big keyboard, two floppies on it, um, but it runs a 6809. and has custom versions of Basic from Microsoft. It's got you know so it
7: 6847 in it. I don't know what G? the
2: probably not because it's monochrome green screen.
0: Oh. So, yeah. so if I drive similar. down there, can I have it? Can You have it no. if I drive down there to pick it up, yeah. But I asked about it first, yeah, yeah.
2: Because Ron, Ron, Ron doesn't have a lot of equipment either, you know. We have to no. make sure we take
0: care of the Black. needy. Yeah. <laughs> Help me. I've got Stevie's home address for the right price, yeah, right? So. Yeah, well, I think if I actually drove down there to get it, I wouldn't have a home to come back to, nah. ah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, um,
2: you could
7: put it anywhere.
2: Yeah, but no, it, that's something where yeah, I need to look at cuz I've got tons of manuals and documentation. I've got all this promotional like these fly like these promotional flyers from Motorola trying to promote the 6809 when it first came out. So, whoever whoever owned this was like a salesperson. And so it was like a lot of marketing materials and uh, internal communications and all kinds of stuff. So, it's a huge It would
7: be a nice market. thing to show at the yeah. How did you acquire it?
2: Um, it's uh, Somebody down here was getting rid of it. And a guy who I actually, I met him through business networking before I introduced him to my Ret- Florida Retro Group. But he does electronics recycling. So he ends up getting a lot of stuff. And this was something where he had gotten it um, from the widow and posted it on Facebook saying, look, I got this thing that, you know, I know it's probably important to somebody, but I don't know what to do with it. And, and a few people tagged me. On Facebook I reached out to the guy. It just turned out I already knew him but didn't know he was also into retro. And so I got it from him. Um and, and it's just basically been sitting on a shelf ever since. So it so was like a wondered, donation or did you buy it? No, I bought it, but he gave it to me for a pretty good price. Um yeah. less than what he bought it for originally.
5: But will it run my unbranded OS9 level one? That is the question. Mm, it's sixty eight oh nine
2: if <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it's sixty eight oh nine enough with drivers floppies. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, but, to work all the yeah but that's why, because, of, because I was also thinking that I'm not sure that I would ever have the time to do, to do it justice. That's why I wanted to maybe get it into somebody else's hands too, like a Jim brain or even like Paul Fiscarelli who can do stuff like make sure he could flux and image all these floppies. Cause there's, I have got some floppies that are loose. I've got some that are still sealed in plastic and these are definitely some rare things that need to be, uh, imaged and archived. You know, and I'm not the best person to do it. So I want to make sure. I, not only can I bring it on tour and show it off, but I want to ultimately get it to a home where it's going to be done some justice. You know, and be able to be archived, it, take it on tour and whatnot. You know, so
7: um, that's cool. It fits right in with my Ron's archive service. <laughs> <laughs> Good
2: question. Good question. Uh, anyone else updates and acquisitions?
8: No, I was just going to make one comment. Um, I don't want to overcommit and underdeliver. But if there's anybody that's flying to Cocoa Fest that would like to present something, but because they're flying, they're not able to bring hardware, to reach out to me and maybe I might be able to help them out and bring what they need so they can do what they want to do. You know, I mean, it'd be real easy to pack your Cocoa SDC in your suitcase versus packing a Cocoa. So. If somebody needs something, I I might be able to help somebody out. If you uh, are wanting to do something but can't bring what you want to bring, I just want to extend an offer. But I don't want to I don't want to make any promises I can't keep. But we'll work on it. Okay.
1: Just grab that U-Haul. You got the big you know set of stuff from. Just bring it with you, and then you can you have everything there with (laughs) you. Bring everything.
2: (laughs) Take one of each. All right, all right, all right. Well, good show. Anything else? Have we missed anything? Nope, just a,
1: an ad promo for next week. It's the MC10 special with a bunch of special guests, and you'll learn some new stuff about the MC10. You'll see some Easter eggs most people probably don't know about, et cetera.
2: MC10, fabulous system, fantastic system. And I'll just plug that uh, on the Cocoa Pie. You can not only emulate the MC10, but you can emulate it with the MC server and the MCX-128. You can pull up the... Um, uh, the Jim Gary software repository is just a download away from the downloads menu, so you can download all of Jim Gary's software. You can then boot it up and the MC protocol and pull it up like, kind of like you do over DriveWire or the Cocoa SDC, and pull up a list of files. You can load files, and so you can really play around with the MC10 pretty easily on the Coco Pi if you have that. Uh, what I need to see is, if, is, the, is that Pac-Man part of that, or how can we make that Pac-Man part of it? Because that part I'm not sure on. Um, and Ken, that,
3: Ken Waters did you post the Pac-Man on the Discord already or? I didn't post the link to it but I did say where to find it yeah,
2: if you have post you in, link it's
3: to in it. the Discord under the MC10 heading and posted
2: post in the game on challenge the game on
1: challenge legally free one i mean Greg's released it to the public debate, Okay so. i will
3: yeah. put a link in and to
7: so we can get, get the um Coco three to emulate the MC ten. Could you?
3: <laughs> Not that I'm aware of.
7: I mean, could it be done? Why would you?
3: Well Then you could run an emulator of could. an emulator
2: on an emulator? It's So basically, saying to be able to run MC ten software on a real Coco. Yeah.
7: Uh, is that possible? Just just a token changer thing, right?
2: Oh in basic. Well, for basic
1: it would be, but yeah, for yeah. machine language it's a bit more complicated. Six eight oh three has like hardware timers and stuff at the
2: yeah, it's a whole different But do don't have Anyways, all right. So are we uh, are we about done? Last call for updates and acquisitions or announcements or stories to share? Anyone? Anyone. Bueller, Paul Fiscarelli, thanks for being here, and thanks for the uh, great game of the week. Thanks to Simon, too. wasn't Simon able to Simon for the music, it. and say hi to the kids again for us. Who and um, all that good stuff, Nick Morentes, thanks for being here. And Ken waters 80 aka canadian retro things thanks for doing a great job with the segment sloopy malibu thanks for adding the live midweek sessions to the fodder of things mark over wednesday
1: 7 p.m eastern play 7 pacman p.m. On there
2: stevie time and yeah so yeah if you can post a link to that Tuesday? file wednesday and then so here's the great thing about the again a uh, product placement here but on the coco pie what i do now is i open up discord in a browser And so now if you have that C10 file posted in the Discord channel, I'll open up Discord on the Cocoa Pie, I'll download the file, I'll save it to the Cocoa Pie, and then I can run it from the MC10 on the Cocoa Pie, and boom, I've got it. And so that's the cool thing about being able to do all that kind of stuff. I don't have to worry about transferring files back and forth even, I can just download it direct to the machine. Uh, Oh good,
0: then I expect to see you Wednesday playing.
2: There's a possibility, all right. Mm -hmm. So, um, all right. On that note, we are going to cue the outro. Where the hell is the outro? Okay. I'm going to cue the outro and then we'll be back for final thoughts after this. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to... Alan Murphy, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Curtis Boyle, Dee Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, Grant Leedy, James Diffendaffer, Jason Reichard, Jim Brain, Ken Reichard, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Moroda, Nick Moroda, Nick Moroda, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Eulin, Rob Inman, Ron Vo, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever, people!
7: Well, this just, yeah, I, got a, I got a question. Has anybody contacted Steve Bjork to see if he's okay?
2: He chatted no. with us and he just chatted recently in there. We haven't gotten a full update, but he chatted in Discord recently. So we've heard so it. He did
7: this past week. He actually was in there. Did anybody ask him about the cart?
2: No, about, <laughs> about the uh, audio spectrum analyzer. No. Yeah. No, that's what we should probably should. He's, right. on, he, he's on Discord. You can always reach out to him too. Uh, what okay. is it? 6809 or something like that is his name on Discord? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Curtis, you were mentioning you have some late breaking news that just came yeah, in. Yeah, this Facebook. was just posted by John Strong
1: in the uh, Super Sprite FM Plus forum. Uh, he said he's expecting to receive his Super Sprite on Monday and he's going to start designing a case for it soon afterwards. So, All there will right. be a case for putting that in because uh, it's a cartridge port. Uh uh-huh. What's he going to
4: be and- receiving on Monday? The Super Sprite. The Super board, Sprite FM. The Plus MSX2
2: board. board that we were showing off mm-hmm. earlier, and it's a long card. It's like it's like the length of the old floppy controller cartridge. It's yeah. a it's a long card. So uh, he might even have to have some support for it. Yeah, there's there's, there's Brian. Brian Weezer's Weiser holding up his. So you can that's, see it right that's there. That's the actual PCB for it. So yeah, so it would be nice if it had maybe a couple of feet to support it. If it's a, but no, it needs to go in an MPI really because what else are you going to do with it? You need still need to load software, right? So. Um, but yeah, it's a long yeah. board, so to have a little 3D case, that'd be nice. Uh, cool. All right, thanks, everybody. Kevin Holloway says goodbye, everybody. Eight Bits in the Basement, goodbye, everybody. Tom, Eric Gunderson, see you next week on MC10 Talk. Frederick Provancha. nice show, guys. Did you read Sleepy's comment forwarded from Peter Bartlett? Uh, uh, Peter Bartlett listens into, l- listened into a little bit of it, but life is busy, and those guys talk a whole lot. <laughs> okay. I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> all right. All right. So all right, well we're gonna press the button. Say goodbye everybody.
5: Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Have a good one.